The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret society, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. No expenditure is questioned, no rumor is printed, no secret is revealed. That is why the Athenian lawmaker Solon decreed it a crime for any citizen to shrink from controversy. But I am asking your help in the tremendous task of informing and alerting the American people. Confident that with your help, man will be what he was born to be, free and independent. They're trying to train the body's immune system to target the right part of the virus because getting it wrong can be dangerous. We know that historically with coronaviruses, that if you do vaccinate with the wrong kind of vaccine, for instance in domestic cats who have a similar viral infection, that you can make the disease more severe. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Monday, November 14th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. I thought it was an interesting clip to open with today. Both of them, in fact. But the first one, which, by the way, I, weird that they inserted word porn on that little clip that's been circulating. I mean, I agree, I guess, if that's a sounds like a bad term today, but it's meant to be like, you know, it's it's just everything that's being said there is very important. And of course, that doesn't mean you have to trust JFK or believe that there's not stories there. Just watching the chat already that are this and this about JFK. It's just it's the meaning behind the words. That's what's important. And understand that whether or not there was controversy or, or complete corruption involved with that, which I don't even know if I agree with that necessarily. But the bottom line is that what he said was true and then he got assassinated. Right. And so it's very interesting to see how that maybe may be a question we should simply ask. Right. Was that a factor in what happened to him? And ultimately, was he talking about what we're seeing today? It's very interesting. But in general, we should, those words are valuable. What he's saying is true, not necessarily the idea of what he's talking about building, but that we need to stop that from happening because it's important. The, the collecting of power will always suppress your rights. Now, also the second clip, I just felt like playing it also. I'm going to play those as we get through into the part about antibody-dependent enhancement. You know, one of those things we've been screaming about since December 2020, you know, when the peer-reviewed science came out and said it's a significant and severe risk of antibody-dependent enhancement after these COVID vaccines and nobody talked about it. And they said if we, weren't, if we weren't talking about it, it wouldn't be meeting informed consent. That's on the National Library of Medicine, the NIH. <laughs> and yet apparently it's fake news to talk about. 
we'll get into that and what that yeah, yet again, how that's coming back up in the conversation. And I'm glad to see it, but just to show you how important that is. We're going to do a revisiting of the Ukraine Azov movement, rise above movement, Charlottesville, white supremacy, vanilla ISIS kind of patchwork today because it one is because I grabbed an old tweet that I had had that I made that was kind of a breakdown one stop shop and I redid it. I found it because somebody archived it. Thank God people have the archive that's in some places and I remade the tweet, put it out on that end parlor, by the way, and ultimately want that not to be missed because I was in a, actually, by the way, tomorrow I have a great interview coming out. Uh, it'll be on Rockfin uh, with Clint from Liberty Lockdown. We finally connected and just really great guy. I really enjoyed the conversation. We had some really great discussion points, but one thing I re- we got into the idea of the Azov movement and he wasn't aware of that connection. And I was just like, I, I really hope I want to make sure everybody can see this, that the rise above movement, the only people that got arrested for what went, you know, the discussion of Charlottesville and the Unite the Right March, all four of them were for the Rise Above Movement, right? The Rise Above Movement is on the record as the international arm of the Azov Movement in Ukraine, in the United States. They have an international arm in Germany and, and Italy and a couple different places. That group, catch the bot in the chat for me, that group is the one that created the entire white supremacy threat, right, conservative, MAGA, whole thing. The cars hitting people. That was all that big march in Charlottesville discussion. Then you can realize that Azov movement itself has direct ties all the way back to 1948 with the CIA and using them to fight against the Soviet Union. And they built fascism, just like with Mujahideen in Afghanistan. This is on the record. I've shown you all of this. We're going to go into that again because of how important that is, but also because of some new things. I, I wanted to include the, the recent voting down of not glorifying Nazism by the United States and Ukraine. Very strange, but to very telling. And we're going to do a couple more points that show you what's going on. And I used that image today, the overlapping again. And by the way, I've had this conversation at least five or six times. A very important conversation, but I really I, you know, today it was important to really push it back in again. But the idea that that, that, that the, the first clip on the left of the image is as of the last couple of days in Ukraine, in Kiev. And that's the Azov movement with their Nazi symbol, symbolic flags with the same symbols, the wolf's angel and the whole damn thing and doing the torches and the whole thing. It's exactly what they're doing. And then you can see the rise above movement, you know, with their tiki torches because they've just got Walmart, whereas the Ukrainians have their Nazi traditions. You know, I shouldn't say it. I'm being facetious, by the way. I very clearly do not think it's all Ukrainians. And like, I don't think it's all Jewish people. It's the Israeli government in the same point. In this case, the same idea. It's outside forces that have influenced Ukraine for a very long time. But I think it's obvious that a lot of the population either that's coalesced in that area or, you know, because other people have left because of it. But as it's grown, it's become most people in that area do espouse a lot of these really racist and bigoted ideas. That's not every Ukrainian. A lot of them ran over into the Donbass because of it. You see how this works, but it's not necessarily just Ukraine, right? I just want to make that clear to begin since I said that. But we're also going to talk about COVID-19, RSV. And how very clearly, based on the combination of information, knowing that the injections, according to Pfizer and Moderna's own trial data, increases your risk of RSV. But that's not important to the conversation of an RSV outbreak, right? Of course. Or whether that's even what we're talking about. I'll get into that whole discussion about whether this is just an overlap, again, of vaccine side effects being called something else. But the idea that this is directly tied to everything, the machine that we're talking about, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, going back as far as you look in regard to these RSV injections that keep failing, keep hurting people. And now we're just going to continue with the same group making an mRNA version of the same thing. I mean, it's just madness. Not to say that you, you may think that's the right thing to happen, but we need to realize that these people have already been shown 
regardless of what you think about how, you know, their intentions to be wrong at the very least lie about that fact when they get, when they know about it and then let people continue to hurt. I tend to believe there's more choice there for knowledge whether that's malicious to hurt people or just to cover an experiment, I don't. I ultimately don't know. But that's why we have these high-level people speaking up and saying things like, I don't even know how this is anything but evil. These people are genuinely evil. I, I'm getting to the point where I absolutely agree with that. Well, I think I've always kind of agreed with that. But we're going to talk about that as well as the kind of a little bit of the FTX point, but I'm not going to go too deep on it today, but just the overlaps. Talk about the Great Reset Digital ID, where this is going as usual. Now, let's start off with that uh well, first, that tweet in general, just that's where I saw it. Always like to give a shout out to the people that are doing the work. And this is Johnny Midnight. And he says, hmm, this could be why they killed him. You know, one of the many different possible reasons we can talk about. But. Oh, and also, I want to shout out the new post on Substack that Scott just put up today. And he's re- he's posting a series that was put out by Matty Bannon uh, associated with uh, James Jordan's manufacturing reality. Um, and it's it's a great series, and it's breaking down. It's called the uh, the COVID Collaborators. So check it out. There's going to be a couple more posts coming, and then uh, then ultimately, if they believe, she'll be writing original content because this Substack will, by and large, be original content from the Last American Vagabond and people that are associated with it. But great post. Make sure you check it out as well as the other ones underneath. Now, I want to start off today with something. I almost wanted to put this toward the end with the concept of like the you know building technocratic future, but just start off with this point. You know. It, Think about this in the context of, you know, what aren't they lying about, right? Now, that doesn't have to, we shouldn't be assuming that everything always is a lie because that's kind of the same problem in reverse, but it's kind of hard not to, I mean, we should at the very least obviously be going, could it be a lie? Because right now it's pretty obvious to see that I'm finding it hard to find, to, to find things historically or current that aren't to some degree manipulated or deceiving across the board. So it's not, I mean, I only say it to be objective, but from my experience right now, pretty much everything has some kind of manipulation going on that you can look at. And it doesn't have to be wildly nefarious. It's some kind of lobbying group because they want to intru- influence this way or that way for their profit or their control. Or it's some kind of political group because they want to do this or maybe because they think it's the right thing to do, but it hurts people. Everywhere you look, though, there's games being played and all these things happening. And this is just one small example that pro- I, I haven't heard about this on corporate media. Have you? Maybe I missed it. I didn't see Fox or CNN blasting this, but check this out. For those in the podcast, according to state AGs, Google settles location tracking probe based on AP investigation for $392 million. Now, what the point is about, now this, by the way, is weird. It doesn't, for some reason, it doesn't say it in here, but on the, the, the post that I got on the, the, the notification for it, what it's basically saying is that this is settling tracking probe based on the people that they tracked, even though they checked the box that said they wouldn't want to be tracked. Right. Or rather make it specific that they denied the legal authority for them to track their data or their phone and blah, blah, blah. And big surprise, they completely didn't care. Now, why don't we recognize this? Why don't we stand back and see you guys do? I'm generally speaking that this is something that always, always, always happens. No, no, no. The NSA is not spying on you. Oh, but they totally are. But it's for your benefit, though. So shut up about it. You know, okay, well, so then you lied. Yes. So why didn't anything happen for that or any other number of things? Oh, there's no floor in your water, you maniac. Oh, but we are doing it, but for your benefit. Isn't there a weird kind of circle to this? It just keeps being the same kind of narrative, right? No, we're not arming moderate rebels, you crazy people, or excuse me, terrorists. 
Oh, but we are, but never mind, they're moderate rebels. Oh, but later find out, no, they're not even moderate rebels, they're actual terrorists. But never mind, it's all for freedom, right? It over and over and over this keeps happening. Google should not be allowed to continue. This is a, this is kind of the point we make about politicians, where they get caught for some gigantic criminal activity, and they go, oh, I'll resign in disgrace. And that ends the conversation. Is that even, are, are we allowed to quit our job when we get in a car accident? Right? Oh, I'll just quit my job. Is that good? Are we clear? No. We get held accountable for the smallest indiscretions where these people just kind of sidestep it or pay some money out of a, an allotment they already set aside for this kind of situation, like Wells Fargo, where they know it's a cost of doing business. Sure, we'll pay a billion dollars so we can keep cheating people. This is the, the, okay, I, I could go off forever on this. The bottom line is, everywhere you look right now, these people... The exact people, Google as a company, are involved with what's happening. They're involved with the idea of collecting your data. You own nothing, and they'll take care of it all for you. And we'll just assume it's all for equity and responsibility and altruism, right? Clearly, they care about that, right? The trust factor? No, they do not. It's all about narratives and selling you th- what they want you to think they're doing to achieve their end, as it pertains to Google specifically, as it pertains to the larger agenda around it all, right? But this is what we're talking about. So just as we go forward, think about that in every possible context. And I'm speaking to those people that may just be surveying the course today. Check out this T-Lab show and see what it's all about. Recognize that what we're talking about across the board will always be rooted in some kind of evidence, obviously. In scientific, it's almost always peer-reviewed science. But the bottom line is we're objective about it and realize that these kind of conversations should not be balked at when we're looking at a member of the CDC, uh, a member of the FDA, a per, a individual in the government. When we go, guess what? They could be lying and people kind of scoff and go, well, conspiracy theory. You shouldn't. And that's why. Because there's always the possibility, whether or not you saw this post, for that to be the case. This just shows you these people are happy to lie right to your face until they're forced to pay out about the lie. And then the media just happily covers it up and talks about something else. So talking about Twitter in general, I find this to be a really important point in regard to how the average person, if that's what happened here, but I think regardless of whether this, that's what actually went down, it's still the same point, can influence things in ways they absolutely don't want you to. I think Wall Street Silver even, I think, was also the people posting about that, you know, uh, G- GameStop discussion, right? Showing you that they just didn't like when you started beating them at their own game, so they just paused the whole game, right? And actually unplugged your controller, right? That's, that's how that went. Oh, whoa, 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 you can't dictate the thing like we do. Right. GameStop can't be this successful. It's the same game they're playing. They just don't like that it was working for the average person. So in this case, on Twitter, right after, interestingly enough, Elon Musk came out and said, anybody impersonating anybody will be censored, deleted. Right. It's it's a terms of service concept, whether you think it's right or wrong, open about it. And and, and there's an argument made for why that would be the right thing to do. I kind of disagree. I think ultimately it should just be, you know, Wild West out here. The point is it's free speech. There's not violence happening on here. It's just people expressing ideas good bad up down left and right but the point is that people then made accounts i first the first one i saw was uh what's her name the really horrible redhead woman that screeches all the time about trump i forget her name now put in the chat basically she pretended to be elon musk changed her profile picture and everything and then started saying things and immediately deleted it i think that was she was trying to garner attention for herself i think because she knew that would happen and they wanted to make it about look look we're being censored whatever what happened on top of that is we saw a bunch of companies. Now, the only person I saw covered this, and I, I'm sure I missed plenty of other people. I'm just pointing, saying the only person I saw covering it was Redacted Tonight. Not Redacted, but Redacted Tonight with Lee Camp pointing out how 
the rea- the re- I forget how he framed it, the reality of the corporate world, something like that, 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 that shows you that they don't care about you. We should know this by now. Kathy Griffin, thank you. That they, they, they love, especially with the Great Reset direction and the sustainable development goals in the UN and everything they're pushing. They want to frame the companies and the banks and the, co- the government and the, the pharma companies as the altruistic ones fighting for your freedom or whatever. It's just it's ridiculous. Nobody's buying it. But this shows you, and my point was, they have these pharma companies and, and merchant of death companies, you know, the arms sellers, who act like they're doing this for good reasons. But then the moment, and this example will show you this, that there's some kind of a different point that is totally good for the average person, you know, equitable, actual altruism, their stock plummets. And it proves to you that they don't really care. But you can't even really question it. It's just, it's a company. The illusion is the government making them look like they're not just a profit-driven company. And that's all that matters to them. That is the case. It's the government that's responsible for allowing this, you know, rampant lawlessness so first he, he points out how to cause an eight uh, eight plus billion dollars in damage for just eight dollars eli Lilly, obviously it wasn't eli Lilly. somebody pretended to be them same thing got the blue check with the verification thing you know you because you can do that now remember you can just sign up for it and whatever else but that's why they paused it i understand because this was happening we are excited to announce insulin is for insulin is free now. Now, in the world they pretend they're a part of, the world they pretend they're building, this should make their stock skyrocket, right? ESG and all that. Aren't we now basing this on who does the best for the world? Or that's, that's what they're projecting, isn't it? Well, no, their stock drops, I mean, catastrophically. I think it's billion. He said eight billion dollar loss. That's crazy. Eli Lilly loses billions in market cap after verified Twitter imposer imposter promises free insulin. Right. So clearly, the the very least, the shareholders couldn't care less about helping people with free insulin. They were like money. That's that's a bad business move. We don't want to be a part of it. So all the government and everybody else trying to project the idea that everyone is in line with this idea, it's not true. It's not true. You know why? Because that's not even what they actually believe. That's what they're selling the average person that's willing to buy their nonsense so they can drive you into their technocratic prison. That's what's happening. You know, I mean, that sounds a little crazy to somebody who's just barely tuning in, but the reality is that's very obvious. And we'll go through it if you want to pay attention and stick with us till the end. But Mick Wallace points out another example. And now I'm pretty certain he's being facetious about this. Mick Walls is a pretty smart guy, and I believe he's very aware that this says Lockhart Mar- Lockheed Martini. And you can sell, by the way he says it, I'm pretty sure he's being, he says, now isn't that good news? Lockheed Martin are going to stop helping lawless rogue states like Saudi Arabia and U.S. to kill innocent people around the world. I just think he, he would have, my personal opinion, he wouldn't have said it like that if he wasn't aware. Either way, it's not real. It's, a, it's another one of these accounts. And it says, we will begin halting all weapon sales to Saudi Arabia, Israel, and the United States under further investigation of the record of human rights abuses. Now, th- that's what it would look like in a real, honest world. You know, the leading human rights abusers in the world being held accountable by the people that sell them the weapons. But no, because weapon sellers don't care about human rights. That's the point here, guys. That's, that's the reality. And this is somebody... I believe these are average people just trying to use the system against them that are revealing their false, their hypocrisy. They're tearing the mask off and making them censor them for it. And and, at the same point, their stock drops and then it kicks back up when people find out it's fake. There's no misunderstanding that. And, uh, oh, and, and you can see that just to point out that the account is censored, they're censoring them, right? Which is right in line with what he said he would do. And here's that post if you want to read about it and promising free insulin. But here's here's a couple of examples. I thought this one was great. Nestle, 
we steal your water and sell it back to you. <laughs> this is fantastic. Now, this one obviously said Nestle Death Cult. So kind of hard to argue that one was breaking the rules, seeing as how they they didn't, you know, either way. I guess, no, the other one did say Naki Martini, so technical same point. So I guess it's however they deem it being violation. But the bottom line is these are all absolutely interesting points that reveal something, you know, that show you what ultimately happens. And most of these affected their stock prices, right? It's all an illusion, guys. Don't buy the altruistic narrative. I, look, I hope I'm wrong. I would love to find out these people only care about you and are willing to do everything, even at their own expense, to make sure your life is better. But do we really believe that? Is there any example anywhere about that actually happening? In fact, all the actions they're currently taking are making your life harder under the guise that that's better for the planet in the future, even though they're not really saying that, just blaming Putin, because this is ridiculous. But here's what Tom Fitton pointed out. Day following Biden proposal, personal demands of national security investigation of Elon Musk. They're launching an unprecedented attacks and threats on Twitter. He, that's what he says. I don't necessarily disagree that there's this being presented. I'm just not buying that there's an actual pushback between these groups. I think this is all not actually what's happening. That, that's just my opinion. I think we, well, it's hard to miss the overlap between Twitter, the digital ID, and literally every single checkbox for the Great Reset that Elon Musk has already tweeted about throughout the, throughout the last 10 years. They just, you know, brain machine interface, UBI. I mean, everything, every single point including using your data from Twitter, which is what he already told you he's going to do. They're losing advertisers. He said it's about the data. And then that's going to be used for everything else, including his seemingly failing Tesla cars, which we'll get to in a minute. Either way, I find this to be, as I wrote in, I did on the show, the, the, it's the, the digital ID pipeline from Twitter. Because ultimately, there's all these different ways they're going to, he's talking about making it into WeChat. I played you that clip where ultimately he wants to turn it into the one-stop shop for your digital needs, which will demand a digital ID, which, again, we'll get to in the end here when we talk about where that I think they're going to set up the destruction to justify the need for the digital bank. Like, basically, people will be in such dire straits. They'll go, don't worry. We'll, we'll, we got some, some funds to help you because it's not fair that you're in this position. But, but, but it's only this new central currency. And, but, 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 you can only get it if you open that digital ID app on your phone. And then we'll just give it to you. It's free. It's free money. Half the people out there that actually know what that is will probably still take it with what's going on today. And you can't, I mean, you can't even begrudge them when they can't feed their family. That's what this, that's why I say you're under U.S. sanctions. It's the same thing. They're pushing people into desperate situations. So they then take what's given to them, even when they know it's a trap. That's what happens in these foreign countries. When these government, these people are watching their children starve in their arms. They're like, I don't care if the U.S. government wants to take power. Just give me something to feed my child with. That's the kind of breakdown this gets driven to. And that's what people are being driven to right now. Now, here is his response. And the first time he just even the way this punt, this media personality steps up and asks the question, it just seems so it's it's like a leading question in a court of law. Like, watch the way they ask this question. I just don't even find any of this to be honest anymore. Not, not that I ever really did. I'm just willing to I'm at the point now where I'm like, is anybody am I the only one not like feeling like this is literally completely staged across the board? I'm not saying I believe all of that. I just think I'm beginning to question genuinely whether it is literally everything we're looking at. I'll always be objective. And you know me, I'm always willing to dive into those hard questions that people are going to call conspiracy theory. That's why we tend to be ahead of the story until they finally, like we'll get into in a big section today, go, guess what? The vaccine may just maybe reduce your immune system. We're like, my God, are you finally getting there? <laughs> That's been proven for a year, but we'll get, we'll get to there in a minute. This point is the way she stands up and just goes, do you find Elon Musk to be a security threat because of this and that? It's just so ridiculous. Like, where did that question come from? Who's even saying that? 
right? So this just pops up. Somebody's leading this out there, in my opinion. Look at what she, look at how he responds to. Mr. President, do you think Elon Musk is a threat to U.S. national security? And should the U.S. and with the tools you have investigate his joint acquisition of Twitter with foreign governments, which include the Saudis? Oh, yeah. You mean the Saudis that have always pretty much maintained one of the highest controlling stock positions in Twitter? Yeah. Now we care. (laughs) Suddenly we care, even though we work with Saudi Arabia all around the world and fund them and and hide and obfuscate their crimes. But suddenly it's a problem because we want to frame this in a way that people can't understand. Right. Right. This is just ridiculous. Now, why is it a national security threat? I mean, even if you think he's working with foreign governments for a platform, it's not necessarily owned by the U.S. It's an international platform. It's not owned by the U.S. government, except that's probably the point, though, isn't it? Right. They don't want you to think that. But these gov- these platforms have become government platforms. Right. So that's kind of what I think this is getting down to. Is it a national security threat legitimately because you use Twitter to control and influence? And now suddenly it's maybe not in your control or maybe that's just what they want us to think. I don't know. I'm willing to consider all of this. But at the end of the day, I find it really hard not to see there being alignment here with the Starlink and Ukraine and everything we're going to get into next. I mean, not not actually in the show today, the Starlink part of it, but how do you miss that? How do you miss that? That's one of the most important tools right now for the Ukrainian military. And they're, they're going to start attacking Musk. I mean, Mike, if that's the truth, Musk will just pull it out completely. You know, he will in history. That's what he, he's, he seems to be pretty quick to react. Like he, the guy on you on Twitter, the Ukrainian official basically told him to yet to F off. And that's why he's talked about pulling Starlink. He's like, well, I'll, I'll do what he, I just followed what he told me to F off. So I just don't think that makes sense. They wouldn't risk that knowing how important it is to them. So I find this to be contrived personally. Here's how he responds. It's not, that question was the important part. His response is typical Biden mumbling. <sighs> I think that Elon Musk's get there process cooperation and or my technical God. relationships with other countries uh, is worthy of being looked at. That's it. Whether or not he is doing anything inappropriate. I'm not suggesting that. I'm suggesting that it's worth, worth being looked at. Um, and uh, um, and uh, but that's all I'll say. <laughs> I love the media are such ridiculous POSs. You heard to hear after he answered a completely nothing answer. And she's like, wow, <laughs> wow, audience. Did you hear that? Wow. He said nothing. Wow. Like I said, you're trying to make a gotcha moment. And the point is, he said, by the way, he did give them something. By saying that, you're simply implying there could be something going on there, right? There's something to look at. There's something we should be looking at. I'm not saying we don't know if it's a crime yet, but we're looking at it. Really? So exactly why is it any kind of national security threat for an individual businessman, assuming that's what we're pretending he is right now, to make an agreement with anybody anywhere in the world that benefits the company, right? It's because Twitter is a national security interest to the U.S. government. There's no misunderstanding what that means. So just recognize that, guys. That's a big deal. They're simply if they, the simple idea this is being floated shows you that they have an influence tool there or something they're using to probably influence other countries to manipulate. That's why places like Russia and China want to block these platforms because they know how they're being used and why they don't let things like U.S. aid in the country because they're Trojan horses for regime change. They know this. We all seem to know this except the very fringe grouping in the minority conversation they pretend is everyone in the country. 
that's the reality. But here he is saying, yeah, yeah, there's a problem there. I find it to be theater, my own opinion, but we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. Jack Posobiec, interestingly enough, I'm not even sure how to take this. Give me, give me your thoughts in the chat about this. Plot twist. Twitter is, which I don't understand what the stars mean right there, Skynet. I'm not, maybe I'm not too versed on my Twitter emojis and, and shorthand. But either way, I feel like he's actually saying Twitter is Skynet, which is a bad thing, unless I'm missing something there. But it says, in, in regard to that, he's posting, just in, SpaceX just bought a big ad campaign on Twitter for Starlink. Interesting. Per CBN, CNBC. It says, the campaign will promote the, Star, the SpaceX-owned and operated satellite internet service called, called Starlink, which is what's being used in Ukraine, on Twitter in Spain and Australia, according to internal records from the social media business viewed by CNBC. But what's interesting is that I, I'm just concerned about the continual growth of the brain-machine interface kind of business direction. Not that that's the same thing, but the SpaceX Starlink stuff as well and how this all inter interconnects with the large direction that we're looking at. Like, it's hard not to see that this is exactly that unless you see him as some kind of counterbalance to the agenda. And that's why I think those other things are happening. I just find it impossible not to see this connected with what's going on. But to again, what does he mean by this? For emphasis, somebody says. Oops. Where were we? So, it, so it, Twitter is Skynet. I just still don't, you know, so it's interesting, right? So isn't isn't Musk supposed to be kind of like a right, you know, that they're like, hey, he's going to save Twitter, free speech. And now it's suddenly, I don't know, I don't get it. Maybe they're beginning to actually see these problems. We had a great conversation on the, the Pirate Stream Media episode we did yesterday, which, by the way, we'll be doing more of, so keep an eye out for that. It's going to be broadcast on T-Live channels, I, for now, possibly continuing, but it is, it is its own thing for the most part, so make sure you continue to follow that separately. We'll be setting up its own social media and, and websites and all of that closer to the beginning of next year as we get everything organized. As I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> oh, oh, what I was saying in the, 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 the conversation with Courtney and, and Scott was that the, I, I just, I'm starting to, quite, I'm asking myself, is it wrong like the whole patriot movement, right? The people that are, you know, part of the right, but have like broken off and arguing that the Republicans are just part of the problem, which I agree with, but still voting. That's my whole hit, hit hold up on that, but still investing in the two party paradigm. But I'm asking myself is like, are those people we should be working with? Right. And not, and not just like in my mind, dismissing as people lost the two party paradigm, not that I should do that anyway, because it isn't that are they doing the same thing we are at this point, right? Not to say that's Jack Wasobic, but there's a grouping of this that is essentially starting to see things similarly. And so, as always, find allies where you can in this movement, but question everything. I'm very skeptical about anybody that still votes, <laughs> to be quite honest, or believes that they can vote in a president that will change everything. But either way, maybe they're beginning to see that Twitter or Elon Musk are not what they said they were. I'm hopeful. I really am. Now here, Danny Rancourt points out, and make sure you follow Danny Rancourt and his work and his excellent research around COVID and everything else. Quote, Twitter has suspended law or fiction, a group dedicated to those who have been impacted by this, the UK government's response to COVID-19. The group advocates for citizens, lawyers, and medical professionals. The law or fiction account was maintained by British lawyer Stephen Jackson. So this could have been put over in the part where we get into adverse events, but just realize this is Twitter right now, and it's still censoring people, an entire group just like this. Now, Elon Musk has said that he's not doing anything, but of course, people on the right that want to see him as the savior have already argued he's changed everything, which we've seen 30 times since that has the conversation started. But at the very least, he's in control. He owns it. And you're still seeing people censored. People like me have never still haven't gotten their accounts back. People like Robert Malone still haven't gotten their accounts back. Right. It's interesting. 
Now I get that there's some hard process there. I just, but I'm not, I'm not buying it. I don't, I don't feel this is ever going to go the way we think it will. And maybe that whole verified account weird stock thing. Maybe that was the, just a psyop in its own right to justify not giving any more blue checks. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But this just happened. So however you look at it, this is upsetting because this is a person who is fighting for those that aren't being heard and Twitter censors their group. My name is Stephen Jackson, a UK lawyer and controller of the Law or Fiction account on Twitter. Uh, this is a message to Elon Musk and to my supporters uh, on Twitter to help reinstate Law or Fiction as the account was suspended permanently last Wednesday, 9th of November. I don't know the reasons for it. There was no strike system warning me of the closure, and they haven't said what was wrong with the last tweet. Okay, so that's actually pretty important. So that's happening still now. Unaccountable, not even following their own rules, censorship. I find that to be important. He's, he is in control. Now, maybe not. In, they, there's always there's employees. You can't literally control every employee's actions that if they have cert, a level of authority over certain parts of the platform, right? Not in that immediate moment, but eventually true. So at this point, that's happening. Unaccountable censorship. Not like, hey, you broke this rule and here's why and here's how you can appeal it. Just delete it because he's doing things that they don't want people hearing. And we know that's what's going on. Facebook everywhere. And here we are still happening. Just removed. No accountability. No justification. Just gone. Which the suspension followed. All I can tell you uh, is that I had linked to the... Uh, authorization of the bivalent COVID-19 vaccine, so-called, for children aged 12 and upwards. I'd put the words vaccine in inverted commas. I'd refer to experimental. Uh, that seems fair enough, given that this has not been trialed on humans. And, and, and the fact that it's literally called experimental and investigational, all the way back to the original shot in their own documentation, right? <laughs> Ridiculous. If we uh, give new technology to animals, we call it experimental. Not sure why it's different for children or for adults. And I pointed out that we don't know the long-term effects we of don't. the new technology. He's That's right. something which Pfizer itself admits. So yep. quite what the misinformation was, I don't know. What this seems to be is an attack on comment, on debate. This is something which I understood Mr. Must to be keen on, the free speech. He's not going to get to Mars by listening to sycophants and suppressing potential dissent or debate about... Now, that, that's assuming this is something Elon Musk is aware of and so on. I'm still, at this point, he's in charge, so he's accountable. He's accountable. Hold him accountable for everything that's happening, even though he's still arguably trying to, you know, ostensibly trying to do what he's trying to do, right? But I'm, you, I, I'd say it's not fair to assume we know that he allowed this or didn't, but he's still accountable for it. That's important. Uh, the science. This is an important issue. This has happened on PayPal. Many of us have lost our accounts. Law of Fiction has. This should not be happening on Twitter. It's an important forum for public debate. It must remain so. It needs to be there to protect free speech and democracy. Please help us do that. Huh. Please reinstate law of fiction. And the last American vagabond. But, you know, I, I mean, I, I agree, and I've said this many times. Twitter is, at this moment, as far as I can tell, the most, the, the best current flowing location of real-time information. I argue Telegram is, is right there, probably even better, but the way that it's set up, it doesn't allow you to kind of like 
you have to have you know, certain accounts and you can go through the people in that account. But on Twitter, you can just look up a concept and see all the different tags and things going on in the real moment. And even if they're censoring it, you get those things in real time that they can't stop. But as I always say, you have to assume that half, you know, factor in that half or more of it could be completely false. That's that's the that's how you should always be thinking about it. People could lie. They could be wrong. The point is, though, that it is important. But I don't want that to be the case. I want people to find other platforms to use. Because the fact that they have that control is still important to them. And it should be because they can control just like Biden and everybody else is now admitting your everything. It's a national security risk to have something not in their control if that's actually what's happening. Now, last point, I just want to include this just because it's, you know, Elon Musk. I think this is crazy. I keep pointing this out. This blows my mind. I haven't seen it as much as I had in the past couple of years, but there was a period there. It was like every other day you were seeing a report about a Tesla that went out of control and driverless on a driverless control that just crashed and killed somebody or crashed in the back of a car, caught on fire. And I'm thinking, my God, if this was any other car company, they would have been recalled by now. They wouldn't even be allowed to be sold, but they've never even missed a beat. There's more to this story, guys. There's more to what's going on with what these things are doing, testing AI, testing, you know, everything. Like the real world testing. That's what part of this is about. Otherwise, somebody somewhere would have been like, please get these, sa- these safety hazards off the road. It's the same with the vaccine or the injection, right? Anything before, different process. But this one, very different. So what's going on with that? So watch this for yourself. This is one that someone just shared. Tesla lost control while parking and took off to hit seven vehicles, killing two people. Yet still going. <laughs> still allowed. People still out there driving their driverless cars. I mean, it just blows my mind. Someone clearly took the time to find the different cameras. That's crazy. So no one's in that car. Oh, my God. The last part's crazy. Two people died. Man, that's crazy. Boom. I mean, just one of those happening, that should be a big deal. That should be a problem. But I mean, literally, if you if you haven't seen this before, take a moment when you uh, wait for the show to be done, go back and, and just look up. I mean, I don't know what the right, you know, hashtag or, or search term would be the best, but just look up Tesla crashing or so on, auto drive crash. It's everywhere. I mean, I've lost count of how many I've seen. And again, at that time, what was really being covered, it was like every other day or every week. Kept seeing them, kept seeing them. Not even a discussion in the media about how are these still being driven. And these are the people behind what we're talking about. <laughs> I mean, my God, we're all being tested on. There are things being used to try to get, you know, reach AI singularity kind of conversation or, you know, mapping the human brain for the, the brain machine interface or, you know, all these different things with the different parts of what we're talking about. This, in this case, I believe this is about reaching like true artificial intelligence about, you know, being able to have things perfectly interface in the world. To, like right now, this is important for the great reset direction, the smart city direction. They got to get this figured out. They can't just switch into it because it's clearly not working. Interesting. Now, moving forward, kind of an overlap on the FTX point here. We'll talk about it more in the end as well. This is just about Ukraine as we get into that Ukraine section of today. As uh, Calvin Robinson, who you'll see on a clip actually throughout when we get closer to this from GB News. Oh, this clip right here, actually. He says, so Ukraine was a money laundering operation all along. I think absolutely. And I don't even, I don't, that's not just Biden's administration or just the Biden family. Let's be clear about that. There's a thousand examples that go left and right and everywhere else. Now, right now, but but I'll be clear, Biden's family specifically 
It's just it's undeniable. That's one of the reasons why we have to see how obviously that this is a controlled everything. <laughs> these these people are criminals who are actively caught. I mean, look at what with this the lap the hunter laptop situation. Things like this are provable, verifiable, and nothing nothing happens. Sort of like the Clinton Foundation being provably using pay to play. The, and and presented in front of Congress, and then it just kind of quietly drifts into the background. Nothing happens. Weird. Where are all the Republicans screaming about that? Isn't that weird? It's almost like they're working together. I mean, my God, if we can't... I mean, you guys must have noticed that I just I went past the election. I mean, I've got little points we could point out. We talked about a pirate stream. But re, I mean, my, my God, guys, if we can't see by now, if we can't see by now that we are being played in the elections, then wh- I don't. I'm, I will lose faith in whether or not we can actually reach people. That's not what's happening. I think everybody is seeing it. I mean, the Republicans that were quick or, you know, attuned to the fact that it was going to happen and ready for it. And now the glitches and the cameras go out and all the ballots and the machines lose ballots. And I mean, it's like literally everything could have gone wrong, went wrong. And now who's going to be able to say they're going to be oh, mistakes and glitches and stuff. And, we're, and this is what happened. I don't buy it, but I don't buy any side of it. I don't think anybody's ever doing I, We are being gamed. I think none of it matters anymore. My point, though, is that look at how way this just went down. One of the most important elections of our lifetime, the, they said numerous times, even Bill Maher said it ridiculously. And then everything falls apart just in time for them to go. Yeah, that's why we need the new the new system, which we have right in the wings. Guess what? We already have it ready. Problem, reaction, solution. Time to pay attention, guys. But this is an important clip. Thank you to T-Lab Shorts for tagging me in this. The West donated billions to the war effort. Zelensky invested that money into FTX. For those who don't know, that was that crypto platform that just collapsed. That is very clearly, suspiciously tied in, and you'll hear them talk about it, with everything. With Ukraine, with donating to Democrats. I mean, I and and then we'll get into it in the end, the second part of this. This is just the Ukraine part, but the idea that this is about, in my opinion, setting up the justification to collapse the cryptocurrency markets and scoop up all those assets and drive people into the central bank digital currency control. Now, I very clearly see the overlap and how some of these cryptocurrencies were an effort like Ripple to drive you into that system. But people that don't fully understand the nuance of the of the cryptocurrency scene and just want to make it all, all the same thing, it's like pretending that the internet is all the problem because DARPA made it. Good luck trying to fight back today without the internet. Now, I'm not saying that's absolute. I'm saying we need to keep the possibility open that things like all there's plenty of anonymous and and un, there's, there's cryptocurrencies out there that there's that I would argue are things that could be used to circumvent what they're building right now. And that's why they're trying to force people out of the market. Be skeptical or tell me I'm wrong. But this quick pushback to argue anybody invested in anything like that, almost going as far as to say if you're if you're using anything like technological, that you're just like part of the problem. You know who I'm speaking about? That's ridiculous. And it's this dividing tactic. And I get, I'm very clear about how I could be wrong about that, right? But we need to recognize that there are ways these things eventually could be used against them. If we had never worked with the internet, we, this wouldn't even be possible today. That's, I think, a very stark and obvious example. So I think what this is really about is, is driving people out of that market because they want you. And I do think there was plenty of them that were meant to get you comfortable with this. Right. But they didn't that one. That, those weren't the ones that were anonymous, the ones that were uncontrollable, unaccountable. They were wanting you to use the ones that were basically one step away from the SWIFT system. And that's what we're talking about. But it says the CEO of FTX is the second biggest donor to the Democrats after Soros. FTX filed for bankruptcy. Millions, billions missing. Watch this clip. No, no, no. I, I, I actually 
The viewers can't agree. see it when he gives me that glaring no, no, he's no, given I, it to me. No, you're so wrong because I actually completely agree, Calvin Robinson. I'm incredibly worried uh, if this war drags on mm. for months which and months and months or longer, years. which is what Putin is clearly intending, by the way. Not just him. Uh, well, in ter- what I mean is in terms of how he wants to do the, the, uh, the referendum in the Donbass region. So this is not a short-term thing. This hope that he was just mm. going to end the war. Uh, is misplaced. What a silly comment, by the way, right? This hope is just going to end the war, right? Like, why is it only his response? Yes, he's the one that pushed in, but that wasn't where it started. So that's just a ridiculous kind of half, mostly mainstream narrative perspective that argues that, well, he did this, so he should just stop. Right. Like, that's just how easy that is. How about the U.S. government just stops in Syria, stops in Afghanistan? Well, yeah, that would be, if that's the argument, then why don't you apply it to them too? Right. The reality is that on those sides of it, they are the ones that pushed in for no justification. In fact, lied about things like 9-11 or the fact that Iraq was involved with all these things. Right. But the point is, they just love to keep arguing. It's just, you know, he's the one that could just stop it tomorrow and let the neo-Nazis, fascists and Nazis continue to murder people in Donbass and Crimea and, you know, bomb things in Moscow and murder and assassinate people inside of Russia. You know, because the U.S. would be okay with that. Right. Just let Mexico do all that. As long as we stop the war, it's all good. Right. It's just such stupid hypocrisy everywhere. It's not our war. I do think Putin is a bad guy. I'm not a Putin apologist. I can't, I just can't, I immediately lose respect for people. They try to play this game where they have to appease the people that may not know. Like I find, I actually, I believe he knows this stuff based on how he talks about this. But yet you got, I'm not an Assad apologist. What does that even mean? So by pointing out facts, you have to counterbalance that by saying, but I'm not a Putin apologist. It's just stupid. That's dumb. I mean, I can't that that is it makes me lose respect for someone that feels like they have to say that. Or rather, maybe he just knows his audience well enough to know that if he doesn't say that, that they'll attack him. But either way, I just wish people would have the courage to stand by it and be like, it's the facts. These are the facts. And that's what he's about to tell you. But I think Ukraine is a corrupt regime, Nazi sympathizing regime that is a massive money laundering operation, taking billions from the West and shoveling it back in suitcases full of millions to corrupt Western politicians. Um, I think we could have ended the war, or the war could have ended in April. It didn't because p- vested interests want it to continue. And we do not have the money to keep shoveling over there. Rebecca Reed. Yeah, that's one part of it. I do agree, right? I mean, if we're talking about just the money laundering situation, that obviously they don't want that to stop. So it maintains it, but it's more than that, right? That's the surface level kind of discussion. And it just ends because they don't want to get into the bio labs and the great reset and the Azov overlap, rise above movement, vanilla ISIS, psyop, and the growing of a fascist entity to use for foreign policy, because that's conspiracy theory to the people that are way, whoa, 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 he's an apologist. Oh, nope, nope. He said he's not. So let's continue, right? Those are the people that they, I argue, if they know this stuff, water it down so they don't scare them away. And this is what the pro, this is what, the biggest issue is with anybody out there playing that game, you know, YouTube says, I'm not allowed to say this. You're lost. You are losing because that means you're only saying what they want, that they're allowing you to say. So if there, there's a, if there's a line where they don't allow you to say it, and there's a line on the other side where they allow you to say it, can't you argue that you're not actually changing anything? If you're only doing what they say, you can pretty easy, right? Now, I get it. I get why people argue that that's a way to still reach people. But at the end of the day, when we're actually coming up against the real thing we're talking about here, I'm, I, I'm at this point, I feel like we need to put all our cards on the table here, guys. We need to stop pulling punches. And that's for everybody. Do you think we need to keep funding this war? 
it just feels like and I'm not the prime minister and I'm unlikely to be the prime minister. But were I the prime minister at some point, when we decided to start pledging billions or something, I would say, cool. And when will we be stop doing that? And when we tell the country we're going to give them loads of money, should we maybe let them know how long for? Like, surely when you make this plan, you have to have an exit strategy. It's extraordinary that they just said, yeah, sure. yeah it's extraordinary. They did what they do all the time, every time throughout history. We're baffled. We're we're so I can't believe they did the same thing they always do. <laughs> My God, like I don't do these people truly not know that that's all that they we invest in these things with an unspoken or if they put some kind of end game. There's always mission creep and there's always a chance. I mean, how do they not know that? Right. I mean, so that kind of state this exacerbation of I can't believe they didn't do it. It just seems false or they're uninformed. That's my opinion. I'm not trying to insult anybody. I just find that pretty crazy. Any government you look at, that's always how this works. So there's a reverence for the government involved in this conversation that allows you to think that they're like, how I can't believe they actually did that. Really? <laughs> it's happening every day, all the time. It's everywhere. Sure, for now, and then however long it takes. How could it... How but could, there is no exit strategy. But why wasn't there an exit strategy? Of course, we have to keep giving them the money for now because we were doing it before. And we, oh, do, see, really? Of course we have to keep funding Nazis because we started. We can't just stop. Lame. God dang, it's just frustrating. But continuing forward, getting into the point here. So this was the clip we played. Here is what Ben Swan shared. Now, here's something interesting, by the way. I actually emailed him about this to ask them if this was something that they noticed. If you if you do if you refresh this, let me just do this so I don't actually in case I lose it. So you can see all the tweets right there, right? If, let's see if it still happens. Hold on. No, it's, it seems like it's staying there now. It it for a moment. And even they saw the same thing when I emailed them. It was showing it as this tweet is unavailable. So I thought he was censored. So what I think is happening, though, and it seems to be showing up now, <clears throat> is that ultimately, there, I think that there's some kind of a, a manipulation happening about this point, which I'll just read it for you. Here, let me close these real quick. So Ben Swan tweets, reports that FTX, the, the cryptocurrency platform, FTX cryptocurrency has been used in a Ponzi scheme involving the Democrats and Ukraine are circulating the internet. Now, Ben Swan does not share things like this unless he has some level of insight into it. That's my opinion. Question everything, as always. Now it says, giving an impressive $40,000 to Democrat candidates. Oh, and he's polling just behind George Soros as the number two donor. It says, and causes in the recent midterm. And in just in what we just went through, by the way, that's, that's very important. That's probably why they didn't want to stop to that point. But it says, Bankman freed is currently under investigation by the Commodity Futures Trading Commission and the Securities and Exchange Commission for allegedly moving $10 billion in client assets from his crypto exchange to his trading firm, Alameda Research, and filing bankruptcy. Before the investigation, Bankman Freed funded several key lawmakers charged with overseeing CFTC, pouring cash into their campaign coffers. The now bankrupt crypto trading firm has confirmed there was unauthorized access to its accounts after hours after the company filed Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection Friday. Bankman Freed has gone has been an outspoken supporter of Ukraine. Months ago, FTX even partnered with Ukraine to launch a new crypto donation website. Think about how ridiculous this is. Ukraine ranks number two in the world for crypto use. And of course, you know, fulfilling all the great reset directions. And, and and undoubtedly, business has been booming because we're talking about, in their case, the, the, the central bank digital currency direction. That's what they've already been talking about. The country, because they're, they're not all necessarily cryptocurrency or rather specifically blockchain technology, I mean. 
right? There's, there's, they're not all necessarily using the same things. That's important to understand. There, uh, it says the country has raised over $60 million through more than 120,000 crypto asset donations since the start of the Russian invasion. He finally finishes it by saying there are now reports that tens of billions in American military aid to Ukraine has not been used to fight Russia, but instead was invested into FTX, the crypto platform that's now bankrupt, sending it to Ukraine, transferring it to FTX, and then laundering it back to U.S. Democrats who originally voted to send the money. My God, that's a big deal. But how much you want to bet this goes nowhere because I don't actually think this is just the Democrats. Now, I could be wrong on that. This could just be a specific Democrat-focused thing that's not necessarily tied to the larger agenda because there are impersonal, you know, multifaceted agendas of different groups that can go all the way down to the individual personal objectives, wanting to make money, control power to the, the party, right, who just wants to overcome their, their opponents because they do see themselves that way despite the fact that they know that they're working in league to a, lot of, to a large degree. But either way, that, that's, it's just my opinions. That's gigantic. The, the, the possible ties to this, if this gets fleshed out, are impo- they're endless. It's everywhere. <clears throat> now, the point to Ukraine, I think, is really important because we've watched this happen this entire time. This, this flowing of the, the money is unaccountable. We've seen many examples when they say maybe 30% made it there. Well, there you go. Where This is where it went. Or any number of things we've talked about. Now, here are the people this is, that they're working with. And let's not forget that they have a history of doing this literally everywhere. Moderate rebels, the Mujahideen, ISIS themselves, the Al-Qaeda. I mean, it's endless. Any location you want to look at, it's the same point. Anywhere. Venezuela, Bolivia, they're working with the extremists. So here, this is Kiev now, Ukraine. And as they say, Nazism is alive and well. Now, just the point is, you can see that the, the, the main point of the wolf's angel flag, which they try to pretend isn't what it is. It is. It's absolutely a Nazi symbol. And they've been admitting to that, even though the media tries to pretend it's not. And they're, they're basically just having a chant and, mar- and standing there with their, with their torches. Real torches, by the way, like actual torches. I'll make a point about the tiki torch joke in a minute. <clears throat> but... There, somebody chimes in, you know, when you post this image, which is definitely what you think it is. And they go, so if somebody, say, you know, posts a similar video from, say, America, what would that say about America? Well, that might be perceived as an insightful point if you didn't understand that the picture that he's discussing, these pictures from the Rise Above Movement March in Charlottesville 2017, which is the only place you're really going to find this. That was the Rise Above Movement, the Unite the Right rally, right? That group is the is the arm of the, the international U.S. arm of the Azov Movement, of these people. Which, by the way, if you haven't seen the work in the past, I'll point these out in a minute, this one and this one, the history and the information. It's, it's right. The, the Azov Movement, which was once the Azov Battalion, is overtaking the entire government. This is easy to prove. If you don't know that and you're only listening to what the media tells you, there's provable documentation. Just look at it. They themselves will tell you this, that they have people that, I mean, you could read these articles, I'll point out in a minute. They're all, it's everywhere. And this is happening before the invasion starts where they go, these people are controlling the government. They control the police force. They control the media. It's everything. It's across the board. And that's not, that's just the Azov movement because that's the leading force. But there's also Svoboda. There is the right sector. All these groups are outwardly open neo-Nazi entities. It's rife. It's everywhere. So the point is, if he's going to say, well, what, what, like is, if, if, what if happens if it's posted in America? Well, that's what they want people to think. One, that this is not this is not unique. And in fact, it's probably the right 
neo-Nazi white supremacist group in this country that's influenced what's happening in Ukraine or however they want to frame it. Really, it came down to trying to, trying to pretend it was Russia doing this in a very clumsy patchwork effort that is not tied to really any facts other than a very few amount of people that then even then you could tie back to this movement and back to the CIA. But regardless, including the guy that really literally runs what's called the base, which is how you translate Al-Qaeda into English. Al-Qaeda means the base. And he runs a group now in Russia called the base. And he used to work for the State Department and groups in the government in the United States. And that's a white supremacy group. Like, I don't buy it for a second. I've gone deep into that in the past. But this is provable. Let me show you why. Now, first of all, recognize that this is what people that guy has in his mind. This is the real problem, right? These people, as you've all seen these images, again, with their tiki torches, which is hilarious, right? So they go to Walmart and buy tiki torches instead of making them like the Azov movement. It's just kind of, it's, it's all fake. It's all, it's, it's patchwork. This is an illusion. It's theater, right? In my opinion. And that doesn't mean that these people there don't believe what they're doing. That's important. That's a, an important differentiation. These pe- there's, most of these movements these days are mostly organic. They get bad people to follow, but at the end of the day, I shouldn't say, I don't know if it's mostly, but in a large, there can't, it can be a lot of organic people that follow the movement because they're like with, like with the overseas foreign policy. There are actual extremists that think that they're doing what they think they're doing, but it's been proven that people at the top don't buy that. Saudi Arabia has admitted to that. It's largely non-religious from the people that are guiding what they're doing because we know why today. Watch all kinds of documentaries from James Corbett. But the point is a lot of these people could actually be white supremacist extremists, but we can prove that this was tied to the CIA. Now here, by the way, is a tweet. And this is why I'm so glad that people archive most of what we're doing. Tweets and everything else, because this was one of the, this isn't even my original account. This isn't T-Lab. This is the Doodlebug account, but it's all gone. It's all censored. But thank God somebody saved it because I was able to pull it back up. Now, here was the thread. This is the tweet I was looking for, but this thread's all there. It says, there it is. Even though this narrative was destroyed before it even got off the ground, they're still pushing it. So the good guy extremists in Ukraine are apparently okay, but the bad guy Putin might try to grow the same in the United States. Threat to democracy, right? It's just hypocrisy. The point was, this is the tweet that I had shared. Somebody saved it. Thank God. And I reposted it on my new account today. Share it out. Here's what it says in case you missed this. Verifiable facts. All the source materials included both on this one and this one and the one I posted on Parler. Verifiable facts. U.S. Congress made sure out of their way, made sure that the Azov Battalion would get U.S. funds and arms in 2016. Fact. As you can see here. Congress has removed a ban on funding neo-Nazis from its spending bill. Okay. But in 2018, they then stopped that. But then again, quietly removed it. And I've proven this on the show many times. So right this moment, there's documentation, which I've shown before. I believe it's in this link right here. That shows you that they, they then quietly removed that. So it's illegal for them to arm specifically the Azov Battalion. Even though the media right now acts like they're being misunderstood. So why does that make sense then? <laughs> but then the real point is they don't care and they're funding them anyway. It's even in there that they're not allowed in any way. They can't fund the government, which then funds them. But they're doing it anyway. So we're pretending these people are about law and order and, you know, the rules-based international order when they're not even following their own legislation, their own laws. <laughs> it's just really stupid. So the, the con- Congress made sure they would be funded. At a time when the media was writing about them as the dangerous Nazi, neo-Nazi villain. That's what they were talking about. It's all right here. You can read through most of this. Now, on top of that, the CIA has trained these groups, the Azov movement specifically, since 2015. Well, and that's the point I'm making for this article. You can prove it because they write it in their own documentation. But really, as I pointed out here, documents from the CIA prove that they've been cultivating fascism 
in Ukraine since at least 1948 when they were the OSS and 53 became the CIA. That's provable. It's all the document. The documentation's all in here. It's called Operation Aerodynamic. Please read through this for yourself. It's openly discussed. Building fascism to stop the Soviet Union. The point is they opened groups in New York City and in Ukraine. They actually grabbed an actual Nazi war criminal from the from prison in Poland or about to be put to death in Poland. And his name's Mykola Lebed. It's all right here in the documentation. And they made him the leader and they grow into what we see today. It's all very easy to put together. So the point is 2015 is because you can see the documentation here. 2000 or 1948 is when they really began building this. But I think 2015 is where they picked it back up again in the context of Russia today. Now, on top of that, the FBI in the, verified that the Azov Battalion is neo-Nazi and is immersed with the Ukraine government. The very thing they're pretending isn't true and that the people in Charlottesville are, in fact, their U.S. faction. Now, here, I'll just show, so in case you don't, so you don't have to look at the, the images, here are all the, here's the actual links. Here's the Newsweek article. Ukraine's war draws U.S. far right to fight Russia. I mean, my God, it's just ridiculous. Here is the, basically, this is the court document that this is the one I'll show you right here. Oh, wait, sorry. It's the Wayback Machine version. So it's saying, again, the main points in this is that they know that the Azov Battalion is a paramilitary unit of the Ukrainian National Guard, which is known for its association with neo-Nazi ideology and the use of Nazi symbolism, and which is believed to have participated in training and radicalizing United States-based white supremacy organizations, right? And you can see in this document, oh, sorry, this just, I can just show you the headline. You can see it over here. This is this one. Newsweek, very clearly, via the Azov's political wing, the National Core Party, described by researchers as neo-Nazis, the movement has gone international. America's rise above movement. There's no misunderstanding this, right? It's just people just don't want to see the connection, right? So the Azov movement has an international arm of neo-Nazis in this country that's called the rise above movement, previously Vanguard America, both of which were at the Charlottesville March. They were part of this. So too was the CIA. So too was the U.S. government. That's what this ultimately is. The vanilla ISIS psyop. Going forward, it says, oh, that was the, and the, the, the Char in that those in Charlottesville are the U.S. faction. And I linked to this article because it goes over the fact that it's not just that shady U.S. funded contractors, both DynCorp and Blackwater are operating in Ukraine alongside those neo-Nazis. That's been shown from the very beginning. No one talks about that. Now, understand, guys, the only four people they got charged with something from what happened to Charlottesville. The only four were all members of the Rise Above movement. Prosecutors say the men were members of the Rise Above movement, a militant white supremacist group that trains in fighting techniques. You know where they trained? You know where there's popularized for that point that they're making there? They went to Ukraine and trained the fighting pits. That's, they were all publicly talking about this until they were quietly trying to obfuscate the connections, I think. A federal grand jury has indicted four California men on conspiracy and rioting charges in connection with the torch-lit march and a rally of white nationalists. That's crazy, right? So only four people are part of the group that is provably connected to the Azov movement, which is provably connected to the CIA. You can't miss this. Why is this not everywhere? I've made this point 15 times. Please help me get this out. Maybe we can put it on Substack, and maybe they'll finally get some reach out there and break through. But all these are here. All for you. Oh, and this was the other one that I that's in there where you can see a Yahoo News report in January described a covert CIA training program for elite Ukrainian special operations. They're referring to the Azov movement and other intelligence personnel that was launched in 2015. 
by the Obama administration. <laughs> My God. Now, you know, speaking in this article, a former CIA member, former in quotes, who's saying this was meant to be an insurgency. That's what the title is of this article. It's meant to be the coming insurgency. Now, how does that make sense? Do you know what an insurgency is? When a group is occupied and is fighting back from within their own country. So the argument was they were planning for Russia to take over Ukraine and then have an internal insurgency like they were trying to pretend is what's happening in Syria. You have to see how clearly they were planning this. It didn't happen because Russia didn't take the bait, just like January 6th, people didn't take the bait. Clearly, they expected Russia to just push into Ukraine and take it all over. That's why the day this began, they were reporting that tanks were rolling into Kiev. That never happened. They expected it to happen. It's very clear. And again, just really read this document to understand how far this goes back. It's not deniable. Now, all that being said, right, again, to go back to the point from starting with, the idea that this is what they're doing today, and right now they're trying to demonize the MAGA movement as the biggest threat, even though all of what they're pointing at ties right back to their own operations, all of it. Now, by the way, that doesn't mean that there aren't people on MAGA or anywhere else that have racist ideologies. It just means that the entire patchwork is they're making this up. They're manufacturing this. Now, this is the secondary point. Remember, we just talked about this. The U.N. vote. Oh, first of all, what they're saying is remember that U.N. vote board that was splashed all over the Internet about Russians annexation of Donbass, right? Guess what they didn't want to promote? The one we just talked about. Recently, there have been two votes of importance that nobody wanted to talk about, which was lifting the U.S.-Cuba embargo, again, which literally everybody disagreed with except Israel, the United States, and was it Brazil and Ukraine, I think? I forget. But showing you that nobody agrees with that, yet when they talk about it on the media, they act like everyone agrees, Cuba bad guy, whatever else, right? Same with everything else I talk about, I argue. But mainly, number two, stopping Nazi glorification. And there, there was no, there's not some more to that story. Re, go and find the document, the, the, the legislation, read it. It's literally saying we will vote to not allow glorification of Nazism. And the United States, Israel, Ukraine voted against it. Or I believe one of them was an abstention. It might've been Israel, I forget. But it, regardless, they abstained or voted for it. How in the world do you explain that? Right there. That's how you explain it. And you could also explain it by realizing that what the Israeli government is, is essentially that in Israel. It's just obvious that they're this overtly supremacist entity that now all of the human rights groups are calling them out for. And I'm talking about the Zionist-led Israeli government and then the people they've influenced over the years. Not all Jewish people. It's just that this is the kind of games they play to stop us from being honest. I'm tired of playing these games. Jumping right over the top of it. Facts are facts. I don't care what it gets framed as because we're right. Because this is easy to prove. Also, January 6th, right? Here's an interesting way to, or an interesting point to understand about the, in this discussion. Now this, I, I actually downloaded, here's the actual clip itself, 11 minutes long. Uh, Fresh evidence implicates Nancy. It was posted on November 12th. I don't believe that this was a new, I think this is a year old. The, the actual clip is about a year old, but regardless, it's important to understand. Nothing ever happened in this context. We've gone over this extensively. Here, let me grab this too, actually, since... What was it? Uh, January. There's a couple of them. I'll grab both. These are the ones I tend to often point out just because I do think these are very important. So this one, 
January 6th, the false, the failed false flag meant to blame Russia and you. Now, when I say blame Russia, I'm talking about the, uh, the vanilla ISIS thing we just went over. It was meant to create that problem and then blame Russia. And that ties all the way back to the base thing we talked about, the U.S. State Department entity that's now operating a white supremacist group in Russia. So they can go, look, it's based in Russia. That's because they're white supremacists. I mean, it's all very, really easy to see. And on top of that, they're arguing that these are the, the, the reason these people are doing this in this country. I mean, it's, it's, I've got to, I don't want to go off, too off the track. The point is that they really were trying to patch this together to blame Russia bad guy. Not to say that Russia's government is not capable of doing all these things, but they were trying to frame them as well as the individuals in this country. Whether MAGA or anybody else speaking out, they wanted to frame that way. And you using the CIA grown Azov Battalion as well as the continuing Patriot Front January 6th and the vanilla ISIS PSYOP. So read those to understand this further. So I don't have to go too deep on this, but the point is, this is, so my point was the January 6th, we went over all of it. The, the, the people involved with the groups, you know, that the FBI was involved with two of the militia groups that were there. That's not important, apparently. Or the fact that they were, they allowed them to go through m- numerous locations, that Nancy stood down numerous calls for help, which is what they talk about here. All of this was clearly meant to be something they could use. And I just think we can't, shouldn't shy away from saying that anymore. But my point was this clip is weirdly out of sync with the audio, which allowed people on Twitter to say, it's fake, it's over, which question everything. But if you're going to say it's fake, you damn well better have proven that, not just jump to that conclusion because you don't want it to be real, which happens on both sides. I keep talking about that. But here is the, the clip. I'll play it for you just of what this, uh, you know, this law enforcement officer, 30 years in law enforcement. And he's the one telling you what they found. And this is a year old. Listen to what he says. Said last week that I would put my 30 years of law enforcement experience, including eight years as sheriff, to review the Senate report in detail. And I found some things that were alarming, specifically as it relates to the intelligence the Capitol Police had in their possession the days and weeks leading up to January 6th. Intelligence that said there was a strong likelihood of violence, that violent extremist groups were sharing detailed maps of the Capitol tunnels and encouraging supporters to bring weapons to the Capitol. Now, how interesting is that? seeing as how literally nobody had a weapon. So what I think this is, in my opinion, is not that this speaks to a violent movement behind the scenes of the MAG movement, but the fact that these are people that were trying to make this happen. Intelligence, as we know today, I mean, at this point, I'm beginning to think that their intelligence means nothing half the time. Intelligence says means this is what we want you to think. And I'm not saying they don't have the ability to suss out things because of assets they have around the world, but I argue they don't ever tell you that stuff. They don't want you to know they're inside it. They want they when they say this intelligence said that's what that's just a way of dumping what they want you to think in your lap, and that's why they've never seemed to prove this stuff anymore. So when intelligence said we've got these people doing this and that, that's building the narrative because clearly that didn't happen, right? Clearly, if they're trying to get them to bring weapons and they didn't, they saw through it. I mean, it's pretty easy to see. I think Capitol Police leadership had this intelligence in their possession, yep. and somehow, somehow. We're caught completely off guard. Yeah, right. The Senate report highlights the intelligence failures, but doesn't speak specifically to who in the Capitol Police knew what and when. And we must answer those questions. In addition to the intelligence failures, the Senate report highlights the clear delay of the National Guard in assisting the Capitol Police. I was alarmed to find that the Capitol Police Chief, the Chief of Police, doesn't have the authority to request National Guard support without approval of the Capitol Police Board. 
And the Capitol Police Board is made up of the House Sergeant-at-Arms and Senate Sergeant-at-Arms. Before the National Guard could be called, they both must agree. The House Sergeant-at-Arms answers to Nancy Pelosi, and it's been suggested the day of January 6th, he was waiting for Speaker Pelosi's approval before calling in the National Guard. Now, in regard to that, I would say the idea that it's it's been suggested, like there's evidence undeniably that people, like there was an, actually an officer on the record that said, look, we called for help and we were turned down. That's on the record. So he could be lying about that. But it's interesting. He says that's been suggested. I'm not sure why he framed it that way. But as far as I can tell, there was a there was a, an, a, one of the Capitol Police that said we tried to get people to help. Nobody came. They, they kept telling us no. I mean, that was actually what was said. That was a quote. Interesting. It's interesting because the sergeant at arms, Paul Irving, has been uncooperative with the committees. He won't share phone records. He won't turn over emails. What is he hiding what is Speaker Pelosi hiding? Speaker Pelosi went the extra mile to hide the truth by taking the historic steps of rejecting two of the minority leaders' select committee picks, destroying any chance for bipartisanship. This committee is completely partisan from top to bottom. Exactly. Every member was chosen by Speaker Pelosi. And why? Because Speaker Pelosi wants her narrative and her outcome to prevail and not the truth. Well, now that right there, again, as I always point out, that's his opinion. I tend to agree, but I, I take issue with the fact that we speak about what she intended. We can't know that for sure, right? Just because I agree with it, I think it's equally stupid that it happens on all these sides today. The only so-called Republicans on the committee are on the committee to grandstand and attack the former president because of their own personal vendettas. Those Pelosi Same Republicans point. aren't interested in the truth. They're interested in getting even. Today, Leader McCarthy, Whip Scalise, and all of us up here, however, we're interested in the truth. We're going to continue seeking it and following the evidence no matter where it leads, because we owe it to the American people to ensure this never, ever happens again. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to miss. If, they, if people were calling for assistance and it didn't happen... Or the fact that people were let through many locations, or I mean, on and on and on. We've had this conversation more than once. It just it just it it aligns with what we just talked about. This was, in my opinion, this was the effort to get this done, to trick them into doing what they wanted them to do, so they could begin this narrative. And guess what? They tried to push it through anyway. And how embarrassing that is right now. It's like comparing this to 9-11. I mean, that is just about the worst. That is the most insulting thing possible. Not only because they're absolutely involved with what happened there, but because it was actually pretty deadly. And yet here we are, like another Pearl Harbor. My God, these people are ridiculous. I mean, there's no way they don't know that. You can't call it like 9-11 unless you were well aware that you wanted to frame it that way. Because clearly it's not. It was a false flag meant to blame Russia and you using the CIA Gronazov Battalion. Because remember, that's how that ties back. It's very obvious because the beginning of the white supremacy conversation started with the Rise Above movement in Charlottesville, the cars hitting people in crowds, all of that started right there. And here we are. I'm going to follow up with the four people that got indicted. I didn't have time. I'm interested to see if they ever got held accountable. I'd be willing to wager that they probably weren't, but who knows? Oh, I wanted to end with this. I thought this was really interesting before we get into the immunity their immune system conversation. As I said, Dave Chappelle is channeling George Carlin here, and I love it. Hashtag the game is rigged. Now, 
It's interesting. Justin Hart says, wow, Chappelle explains why Trump is so popular with many. I've never heard it told this way before. And I haven't either, actually. Now, this is really interesting. Now, what I think is really important is that people, you know, the partisanship will hear this however the way they want to hear it, right? He calls him an honest liar. Now, that means he's a liar, but he's honest about being a liar. That's not a positive thing, right? Don't take that as he's helping you see through it. Because in my opinion, I mean, this is how I take it. It's about realizing that they're all in it together. And that's what I think. I think people on the right are wanting to take this as kind of like, that's why we believe in Trump, because he's trying to help expose the problem. Now, maybe that's true. And God, I hope so. Just because I hope anybody out there is actually fighting for the truth, whatever party they pretend to be a part of. But at the end of the day, I think it's really about the fact that he said these things, got that support, and then they all went right back to the game. Now, you may want to argue that's because that's the only way you're going to get a chance. I, I don't believe that. I think if you involve yourself in this game, if you invest in this game, you will lose because it's a rigged game. That's the whole point, guys. It's like trying to play like a slanted pinball machine. You have to realize no matter how many times you try, it's just going to roll the same way. That's how this works. But go vote harder next time, right? That's a great clip. Check this out. It's funny to its own right because it's, you know, talking about something horrible, but it's the way he talks about it. It's, you know, facetiously kind of funny. <laughs> And I'm watching the news now. They're declaring the end of the Trump era. Now, okay, I can see how in New York you might believe this is the end of his era. I'm, I'm just being honest with you. I live in Ohio amongst the poor whites. <laughs> A lot of you don't understand why Trump was so popular, but I, I get it because I hear it every day. He's very loved. And the reason he's loved is because people in Ohio have never seen somebody like him. He's what I call an honest liar. Well, I'm not joking right now. He's an honest liar. That first debate, that first debate, I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen a white male billionaire screaming at the top of his lungs. This whole system is rigged, he said. <laughs> and across the stage was a white woman, Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, sitting over there looking at him like, no, it's not. I said, now, wait a minute, bro. <laughs> it's what he said. And the moderator said, well, Mr. Trump, if, in fact, the system is rigged, as you suggest, what would be your evidence? You remember what he said, bro? He said, I know the system is rigged because I use it. I said, God damn. <laughs> and then he pulled out an Illuminati membership card and chopped a line of cocaine up and did it right into the podium. No one ever heard someone say something that true. And then Hillary Clinton tried to punch him in the taxes. She said, this man doesn't pay his taxes. He shot right back. That makes me smart. <laughs> and then he said, if you want me to pay my taxes, then change the tax code. But I know you won't. Because your friends and your donors enjoy the same tax breaks that I do. And with that, my friends... A star was born. No one had ever seen anything like that. No one had ever seen somebody come from inside of that house, outside and tell all the commoners, we are doing everything that you think we are doing. Inside of that house. They just went right back in the house and started playing the game again. I mean, it's just, it's exactly right. I mean, we have, don't miss that last part because I, feel, I really do feel that he's trying to be insightful there, right? Like, 
they they continued to play the game. Trump is still promoting the vaccine. There's no way he doesn't know what at least his supporters feel, you know, which I would argue is absolutely the truth. The reality that these things are catastrophically dangerous for literally anybody, anybody at any age of any position. These things are dangerous. That's what people like Maholtra and other experts have stepped up and started saying, finally, thank God. What he's saying, though, is that this person is a liar. Now, he, he used the inside information like he always does because Trump is business savvy to get what he wanted. Now, you could argue that was change and freedom, but I don't see that. I didn't see that what happened. I mean, come on. We need to be honest about what actually went down. Not just that you think he was trying to do this and work through the system and, you know, use the guy, bad guys from within to fight the other bad guys. Just, yeah, good. That sounds all nice and fun. Did it happen? No. So the reality is that it didn't either it failed, which means you shouldn't trust anybody to try to fix the system from within the system, or he was part of it. But yeah, let's go vote next time, right? Because it'll happen all over again. What he's trying to show you there is that they're all on the inside. But yeah, Trump did do something unprecedented. And I think that's the game that they played. I'm, I'm waiting for the moment they push into the independent sphere and say, oh, well, guess what? This guy's an actual independent. Or this girl's an actual independent. But they're really not, though, right? And they're just going to channel everybody in. I think they're saving that for the last case, la the worst case scenario, right? When they know that it's not going to work suddenly. And I don't see it happening this time, but maybe it will for 2024. But it's interesting. Very interesting. Now, let's go on to the COVID-19 part of this. <clears throat> now, here is what we, this is the show we just had on the 12th. Remember? Just talked about it. If you thought the COVID jab was dangerous, you were right. Peer-reviewed science and experts reveal. Now, that's not even the first time we've essentially, like even a different title that was kind of the same thing like six months ago. Because it's the same point then. You were right and we knew it, right? But here's what I want to point out. November 12th, this is what we talk about. And we go over all this stuff. We go over the excess death, the stillbirth, the, you know, all this stuff. And, and this is just a fraction of the full picture. And then guess what we start seeing the next day and two days later? Not that I'm saying I know for sure. Just I, I, I want to ask the question. And I, this, this could speak to the fact that T-Lab is influencing the conversation despite the fact that we're pushed out of the mainstream part of it. Right? They don't want you to be seen. They don't want T-Lab to be seen as the real you know, entity that it is today with the influence that it really has. They want it to be seen as perceived as some fringe small thing on the side despite the fact that we have a million plus more than that audience. I can prove that. But we're still relegated to the side in a lot of people's minds. We're still looked at as the conspiracy, even though we're ahead of the story in many times. And I think that's because people are just afraid that somebody at some point has deemed us conspiracy theory and people that are still being swayed by the normie perception of their audience are afraid to step into that. And I call that cowardice personally, not just because me, but because of anybody. So there's plenty of great work out there that people are afraid to point at or afraid to you know, wait for some kind of conversation to be had first before we all jump in and go, see, we knew it like this. So this guy, Ross Dyer, points out, so all those anti-vaxxers who were misreading the data, spreading misinformation, and whom deserve to be censored, fired, and canceled, or to face consequences that the fascist politicians and media called it, it turns out they were right. Referencing this clip, and I'll play in a second, from Tucker Carlson. Well, it's interesting. You won't be, you won't be surprised about what he says, because you've heard it 14 times. You've heard Dr. Peter McColl say, you've heard, you've heard people screaming this for a year or more. So it's weird when he discusses this and go, it might just mean that this, we, you, we talked about all of this. I just don't, I find it impossible to believe that somebody in this position doesn't know about these things. There's one or two things in my mind. Either this is not being discussed or maybe three because it's the right business move for the platform, right? It's not being, until now, it's not being discussed until now because they're part of the agenda or it's not being discussed until now because they're not actually informed and they're just going through the motions about what's allowed to be discussed. 
I, the bottom line is you knew this because we've talked about it a long time ago, not because we guessed, but because it was proven. The whole VADES conversation, the immunity, the, the lymphocytopenia. This is all the point that they're making here about the, in, the immune system being affected. But my point is, it's interesting that we say you were right. I mean, this, it looks like you were right. Same, same point. Here's another one. This is the next day. This is the 14th. Today. Sorry we called you anti-vaxxers because you lose your jobs and had your kids thrown out of college. It turns out you were right. Interesting, isn't it? Maybe we are. Maybe we are setting the narrative, the tone for the larger conversation. We're just not, you know, being acknowledged for it. Maybe that's happening. I hope so, because I think we're doing good work. And here, this is Solus 13. I'll apply that and I'll go to it next. Here's the clip. Here's what he's talking about. Now, I'm getting, no, to be clear, it's a, I'm glad it's being discussed because this will reach the average person that might not have otherwise seen it. But it's the same point made before, as even though that is good in the moment. Is that like, if we're only allowed to talk about it now, does that mean that it's no longer important to like that truth is no longer dangerous to what they're doing, that they've moved past it to a point to where now they can allow you to talk about it? I don't know, but we have to see that that is happening to a degree. That's why I call this mainstream media truth light, because that's what this is. Think to neurodegenerative disease, myocarditis, Bell's palsy, liver disease, impaired adaptive immunity, impaired DNA damage response, etc. So it's possible, in fact, it's looking likely that the vaccine might suppress the immune system. Or, you know, proven 15 times over by peer-reviewed science, but, you know, possible, maybe, you know, maybe. This fact, the authors concluded, will, quote, have a wide range of consequences, not the least of which include the reactivation of latent viral infections and the reduced ability to effectively combat future infections, end quote. Now, again, we sincerely hope that's not true, but it's not just the conclusion of one scientific journal. The Lancet, maybe the most famous scientific journal in the world, released similar findings in February. The Lancet's piece was entitled, quote, risk of infection, hospitalization and death up to nine months after a second dose of COVID-19 vaccine. Now, we've gone over each one of these, by the way, each one of everything he mentions we've talked about when it came out. The point is that these aren't even the most important ones in the conversation about lymphocytopenia, the dysregulation of your immune system, or the vaccine-induced autoimmune disorders. Like, that's all of this stuff. That is the same point. These ones, I argue, are, are watering it down to a degree, like the Lancet seems to do a lot of the time, making it seem like it's, it's the same point as saying, well, you know, myocarditis is bad for 18 to 39, but everywhere else they can use it, and there is some benefit. Lies. I'm, that's not the truth. That's not what the science shows. But you get the kind of watered down truth light argument. Now, why is this only now being discussed? Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I just want us to be questioning these kind of things because it's concerning about how they can control the flow of the information. A called Kenji Yamamoto made this observation about the data from The Lancet. He wrote this in a letter to the Journal of Virology, and we're quoting. The study showed that immune function among vaccinated individuals eight months after the administration of two doses of COVID-19 vaccine was lower than that among the unvaccinated individuals. You read that at the time. Ah, now your first response, if you're a humane person, to a line like that has got to be deep sympathy because people were misled, they were forced. They were forced. Medical ethics thrown out the window. People were forced to take medicine they didn't want. And some of them may have been hurt by it. 
And you don't have to take this man's word for it. Pull up the Lancet study yourself. You won't find anything of the text of the article saying what Kenji Yamamoto said, which is weird. Why would the Lancet want to hide a major finding like that? We can't say. But if you look at table three in the piece, here's what you'll find buried in the data. Among people around the age of 80 who have been double vaccinated, that would include people like Joe Biden, the per capita rate of medical incidences, including hospitalizations or death, is nearly twice as high as the rate of serious incidents for the unvaccinated. Yeah, we, you've been hearing this on this channel since 2021. And right the moment we got into the UK, Scotland data, showing you the reality of how obviously statistically showing these things were an increased risk in general for the majority, as well as the per 100,000 cases specifically, obviously, but everything else we went through kept showing you this stuff. Now, I'm again, I'm glad this is being discussed because this will reach people. I'm just skeptical about why now it's only it's being allowed to be talked about. Again, I hope I hope I'm wrong, just like he's saying. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he's really trying to do so. But I hope that maybe, you know, we can see them start getting in line with what's currently being discussed, you know, like the rest of them we're going to get into today. Or maybe we'll see them point that at seven months from now as if it's breaking news. And when that happens, I just want you guys to go, ah, okay, right? Why did that happen again and again and again and again? That's what I think I'm concerned about. This is 180 days after vaccination. What is that? Here and th th thank you to this is Solus13 pointing out only a year and a half behind after <laughs> T Lav, who has been releasing the data of these mRNA injections since the beginning. No one wanted to believe it then. My mother was just t was taken last June, sadly. Don't get me wrong. It's good to see Tucker Carlson finally reporting this, but on the same, same point, I agree. I absolutely agree. And it's not about T Lav individually, it's about anybody else out there that's been blowing this trumpet and being sidestepped until finally somebody like this steps over them and makes this point half-heartedly and that's what gets all the attention it happened with the transmission it happened with every single point we're talking about we, i know we can see this by now but people on the partisan side of this don't just kind of want to go with it go oh, well my side's pointing it out kind of so yay party politics guys it will be the end of us now as always, high impact flicks breaking through with his nonpartisan perspective. Biden promoted the vax. Elon promoted the vax. Trump promoted the vax. Leftist media promoted the vax, promoted the vax. And Fox News promoted the vax. Now, suddenly, Fox News is saying alarming research indicates divers, uh, adverse, adverse consequences are linked to the taking the vax. These people are monsters. I happen to agree. Now, here, by the way, is just a few of the things we've been pointing out for a long time. Now, this what this was updated as of September 2020, September 25th, 2021. But I believe this was posted really early in uh, the beginning of 2021. Either way, the point is, again, and I'll show you some new stuff I don't think I've shown yet. It has been shown that in up to 50 percent of vaccinees, people that take the injection, that they, they can induce what's called immune suppression or immune dysregulation lymphocytopenia that may last about a week or possibly longer because that my point is that they and i'll show you the next point too they just stop the study so it could go on for 10 years for all we know the reality though this has been here a long time it's publicly posted information but we are being censored for it and we still are right now and in many tiktok instagram still to this day facebook we just got censored just now for things that they're now saying on mainstream channels to a degree though right that's the point Here's the one we've shown many times as well, right? So this is December 22nd, 2021. Pointing out, uh, here, just the graph right here, that very clearly your body is being shut down. They want to make it about the vaccine failing, but that's not what this is showing you. Your body's immune system is collapsing. You don't end up being 75% more likely to get sick 
because the vaccine doesn't work. That's not how that makes sense. This year, this is the vaccine making your immune system collapse. And it's been repeatedly shown. 76% negative efficacy with Omicron for Pfizer after 90 days. That, that means after one day, this immediately begins to get worse. And you can see the breakdown right there. Moderna is to a lesser degree, but the same point. Now here is Gert Vandenbosch, who again has been saying this long. Like, so here's the problem. Why wouldn't he be pointed at, right? He's been saying this prominently for a long time. But apparently Tucker says it in a half-hearted way and he gets all the attention. There's something strange about that. Okay, I'll let it go. Here's Gert, Gert Vandenbosch. There can be no doubt that the immune status of a vaccinated person is fundamentally different from the immune system of an unvaccinated person. My heart goes out to the vaccinated people. My God, that's a big statement. Here's what he says. Or truly an insult to science, right? Mm -hmm. There can be no doubt, there can be no doubt that the immune status of a vaccine is meanwhile fundamentally different from the immune status of an unvaccinated person. Because the unvaccinated, especially in highly vaccinated countries, their immune system get better and better trained because the virus is circulating and they are doing very well, most of us. On the other hand, in the vaccinated people, you expose them to a virus that you very well know, the vaccine, and the immune response that it induces will not be able to prevent the spread. When this highly infectious virus, well, the virus itself is not highly infectious because of the infection-enhancing antibodies in the vaccinees, right. that this highly infectious virus breaks through the last obstacle, the last hurdle of defense, you will shift from antibody-dependent enhancement of infection, what we have right now, mm -hmm. to antibody-dependent enhancement of severe disease. These recurrences of cancer, uh, other oh diseases, herpetic diseases, other microbial diseases. Then you have this other group who are unvaccinated, who are almost going to become like another subspecies of humans, right? In terms of their health, their ability to fight disease. This is already the case. I'm the last wow. person who would talk about discriminating vaccinees or unvaccinated. I, I'm always repeating my heart goes out to the vaccinated people. Because, you know, they all did for the best, of course. That is why... The only priority that I still have is to prevent children from being vaccinated. They have fantastic innate immunity that can mature into full-fledged natural immunity that fully contributes, you know, all of this population, every single child almost contributes to herd immunity, right? Mm -hmm. So that wow. is so important. Wow. I mean, don't let's remember, this is the guy that comes from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Right. And of course, I was rightly skeptical in the beginning. And I still am. I mean, I'm, as always, question everything all the time. We don't just suddenly start trusting somebody. Right. But his points are continuing to make sense. So we should we should always be listening. Just continue to question it. But what he's saying there is so important. Not only that the immune system is different. We're watching their immune systems be, be attacked. But he's also pointing out the antibody dependent enhancement that is happening now. And that's why we're seeing all the explosion of cases. But what he's saying is the more they do this, and he keeps pointing at the bivalent, it's only going to create this to, to rapidly push them into severe disease. And that's what we're seeing. Now, this is different than the molecular mimicry part of this, pathogenic priming, right? The idea where, in this case, antibody-dependent enhancement is that you take the injection, then when you in, come into contact with the natural whatever, that it's exponentially worse. Now, on the other hand, we're talking about people getting sick, 
naturally creating immunity to it, then taking the injection, which causes an equally problematic situation, pathogenic priming situation where your body attacks itself. They're different things, but it's happened at both sides. I mean, we'll get into that next. It's, it's in, incredible. Now, here is a post that we've shown you before. Now, this one is innate immune suppression by SARS-CoV-2 mRNA vaccinations. This is posted on January 21st. I guess Tucker Carlson just missed that one. Now, it says the role of G quadruplex exosomes and micro RNAs. Now, I've got a point to make about that specifically in a second. But just let's read through this, just this part right here. Now, you've seen this already. The mRNA vaccines utilize genetically modified mRNA encoding spike proteins. These alterations hide, this is peer-reviewed, by the way, hide the mRNA from cellular defenses, promote a longer biological half-life for the proteins, and provide higher overall spike protein production. All that's bad, right? So the spike proteins last longer in your bloodstream and your body overall, wherever it ends up, and it produces more. That's not a good thing. However, remember, because they, they, the beginning they said one spike, only in your shoulder, and that's it, and it's lies, right? Absolute nonsense, because I know at this point that they knew that wasn't true at some level. However, both experimental and observational evidence reveals a very different immune response to the vaccines compared to the response to infection with the SARS-CoV-2. We all, as, we all, as we will show, the genetic modifications introduced by the vaccine are likely the source of these differential responses. So they did this. In this paper, we present the evidence not, not conjecture, the evidence, maybe not proof in your mind, but the evidence that suggests that vaccination, unlike natural infection, induces a profound impairment in type 1 interferon signaling, which has diverse advent, adverse, diverse adverse consequences to human health. Now, the only reason I say potentially is talking about the claim, the specific type 1 interferon signaling part. But does this thing increase your risk? Absolutely. Undeniably, no question. The, the, the reasoning of why they say it's happening, that's what I'm saying. The, the evidence they're presenting suggests that. I believe this. I'm just being objective. The point, though, is that this is hurting people. That's the fact. That is a fact. And this is just more peer-reviewed science that continues to flush this out. And not just that now, we've, now that we've proven this is happening, this is trying to find out why it's happening. See, they're still arguing fake news, safe and effective. These people are literally finding out why. Now, on that note, I want to make a point that I'm going to do my best to try to include more about how people can deal with what's happening. Because I, I agree, there's not enough of that happening, right? What choices do you have now if you suddenly realize you have made a, cho a bad choice, right? What can I do to remove spike proteins from my body? That kind of stuff. I find that to be paramount today because most of this country has some of this in their body. So if you know somebody who's invested in that topic specifically, get in front of me so I can bring them on for an interview and so on because I think that's important. Now it says... Um, we explain the mechanism by which immune cells release into the circulation large quantities of exosomes containing spike protein along with critical microRNAs. We just talked about micro nanoparticles that induce a signaling response in recipient cells at distant sites. We also identify, and this is the most profound part, potential profound disturbances in regulatory control of protein synthesis and cancer surveillance. These disturbances are shown to have a potentially direct causal link to neurodegenerative diseases, myocarditis, immune thrombocytopenia, Bell's palsy, liver disease, impaired adaptive immunity, increased therm thermogenesis, and DNA damage. Now, he might have actually even referenced this in that clip. My point is that this is from January. We talked about this, I think, in February, right? That's because this is something that we need to be ahead on, not waiting for it to be so far past the point to where now we're moving on. No, we're talking about RSV now, right? That, that, this is kind of my concern with where this all goes. I think that was the only, yeah, it was the only part I had in there. 
Now here, before we, kind of a quick little interlude before we continue on these points, we just talked about the Gates-funded time-release microparticles. Remember? It's right here. Fabrication of fillable microparticles and other complex 3D microstructures. Now, just in case you forgot, this is funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. That matters. Uh-oh. There we go. So it says, one route to improving the delivery of existing drugs, and this is from 2017, is by encapsulation inside a protective but slowly degrading shell. So giving you an injection that has something encapsulated in a degrading shell that can then drip out something over the process of a long period of time. That's really concerning what we're talking about today. Hollow injectable microparticles that can be filled with fluid containing the therapeutic agent. And we in the article talks about it could be any number of things, solids, liquids, anything more specifically, like a vaccine. Yes, it could be. But adjusting the degradation rate of the microparticle material by doing so, the cargo in the internal reservoir can be released at a desired time, ranging from a few days to two months or maybe probably longer than that based on tweaking and so on. But it says we describe a microfabrication method termed, uh, oh, I, that was relevant, relevant to something else. SEAL allows us to generate, oh, that was what it was, just because you can see what it stands for. Stamp Ed Assembly of Polymer Layers, SEAL. That's what they're calling this. An injectable pulsate drug delivery microparticles. SEAL allows us to generate microstructures with complex geometry at high resolution, produce fully enclosed internal cavities containing a solid or liquid, and use potentially any thermoplastic material without processing additives. Now, included in this, one of the source materials on this is talking about graphene particles in this conversation. So it's very interesting. Three-dimensional microstructures, that's the, the one that references graphene, have potential use in a wide array of biomedical, microelectrochemical, energy, and environmental applications, like everything under the sun. So the idea that graphene is so quickly dismissed is very concerning. There's an article I keep wanting to get into called What's in the Shots. I will go over, I think, at some point. because I, I still There's definitely something to this. There's something going on with what's inside these. And if we're seeing how much they're lying about today, nothing should be off the table at this point. Now, here is what I want to include. Somebody just shared this with me. This is something from 2007 that predates that one, but I think is absolutely part of this with none other than William H. Gates III, which is Bill Gates on the patent, just in case you don't think that, just so we can be clear, William, H., William Henry Gates III, which is Bill Gates. It says, injectable controlled release fluid delivery system. So why, for how long they've been working on something that would controlled and slowly over time release things in your body, but yet where is it? Where is that being used? Nobody, as far as I know, that's nowhere. Nobody has a controlled release system of vaccinations, but they've been working on it for 20 years. 15, 17 years. Yeah, they've been working on it a long time. So where is it, guys? Embodiments of a material delivery device, including a, de a deformable reservoir and associated associated control output mechanism are described. Methods are use, methods of use and control of the device are also disclosed. According to some embodiments, a material delivery device may be placed in an animal, like a human, in order to controllably dispense at least one material into the animal. So controlled flow over time. The material delivery device may include a programmable mechanism to control the release of the material into the animal. In selected embodiments, a remote controller may be used to program or to control the material delivery device. I mean, my God. So 2007, they're talking about this, and they describe what well, they say basically we're in a magnetic field or an electric field or electromagnetic control signal may be used. 
Enter graphene oxide, enter all sorts of conversations. It's what they, there's an end for those that shrink from that conversation. I mean, there, I've gone over this in past shows. There is an like everywhere you look, if you just type it in, there's a screening articles about how graphene oxide is the future of vaccines right up until COVID-19. <laughs> Weird. Now, it doesn't mean that they're using it, but the, why is it then dismissed as conspiracy theory when there's everyone under the sun in the bio field saying that's the future? It's obviously not conspiracy theory. They're not saying conspiracy theory that it's in it. They are saying that, but they're acting like the whole conversation is BS crazy. <laughs> obviously, it's not. Now, so I, I'll just read what I say here. Somebody sent me this meme today. It was super out of focus. I could barely read the writing. So it kept getting shared and shared. So I don't know who actually made this first. But I, I made it again myself with some meme maker just because I wanted it to be better quality. So shout out to whoever actually, if you know who made it, just tag it under the tweet so we can know. Because I always like to give credit to whoever makes these things. Because I think this is hilarious. It's, it's, it's trust the science. It says, 2021, trust the science. We are the science. We own the science, which I might have been 2022, but regardless. 2022, we didn't know. <laughs> and this is for those on the podcast. It's the SpongeBob SquarePants, the starfish guy, where he's on the science over here looking in the microscope. And then, and then on the other one, he's got a board hammered into his head, right? The point is, if you didn't know, then how do you make sense of we are the science, trust the science? You can't just keep pretending like we, we all knew, and it's not because we guessed. So there's a huge contradiction right there, which needs to bleed into whatever happens next. We don't trust them anymore, or you never should have, is what you should be taking from this. Because that's just how actual checks and balances should be working. Not that you blindly trust somebody because they're on your party, right? But the point is all of this stuff is possible. And we're working, so working on it from 2007 to build some injectable controlled release. And then all the way again, 2017, doing the same thing, but with new technology. I mean, is this not the micro particles or rather specifically the micro RNA that we're talking about here? Oh, excuse me, the title of this was The COVID Vaccine Linked to Cancer, which is exactly the point of the lymphocytopenia. But right here, we're talking about the... Where was it? With critical microRNAs. That's the biggest problem. The microRNAs are what are doing this. So is that what we're talking about? Are these the time-release microparticles? Is that what these things are? Is that what this was meant to be? The same exact microparticle discussion. I think that's a valid point. Don't know for sure. We should ask for sure. Now, in another vein of this, right? We're talking about immune dysregulation. I actually couldn't believe this. NBC News. Are there long-term myocarditis risks after COVID vaccination? Like, I don't even understand that. Like, okay, so you've admitted that it causes myocarditis. It's super rare. So are there? Yes, obviously. Obvious, you guys have said that yourselves, but this is like, as both says, both Pfizer and Moderna are launching clinical trials to track health issues. My God, this is my point. So when I talk about like Tucker Carlson or somebody else, I know people don't want to hear it if they think that he's on your side or so on, but this is what the point, this is the same point. I think we all doubt NBC News or any of the leaning left side for some reason, all of them should be questioned. But I think what's important is this is what happens. Now they drip this out now. So now we can start really opening the door to the myocarditis risk. This is insulting. And as somebody else said, I forget. Oh, you know what? I did have that tweet. Basically said, so at, you know, after one and a half year, to almost two, almost two and a half years, they, or no, it would have been one and a half based on when this first started. They, they only just now start asking this question. Think about how crazy that is with everything that's been happening. Gaslighting, censorship, suppression, ridicule. You guys are ridiculous. 
And yet they've known this because we can prove that from the very beginning. And their media are only just now allowing the conversation. So now I guess we can start talking about myocarditis. Go. As I said, how truly pathetic and insulting this is. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this has long since been proven. But only now. And I mean proven, by the way, not evidence, proof. But only now, after all this time, is mainstream media even barely beginning to ask the question, which, by the way, was exactly what we were censored for with T-Lab main account over a year ago. Not for saying absolute anything, but going, could this cause myocarditis? Here's what the evidence shows. Censored. While in this article is still gaslighting, by the way, read it yourself. Save and effective, save and effective, save and effective, but maybe, right, that kind of thing. That's, that's the gist of your article right there. This is wild, and this is happening everywhere, and I'm very suspicious about it because a lot of people are going to take the bait for the people they want to trust. Now, here is one of the biggest manipulators in this thing from the Mr. Hotez, always Mr. White Coat Hotez, who just wanted to you know, project that idea. This is from 2021, Nashville, Angela. Looks exactly like what we're seeing now, and we've only just begun. He's literally talking about antibody-dependent enhancement. Which, by the way, now they gaslight and pretend is not real. I mean, remember that entire show I did or the segment about Z, uh, M I don't know why I can't always get that right. M Z Dog MD. I always want to say M Dog Z or something. It's Z Dog MD, that guy, right? Did that whole thing about how antibody dependent hands was a fake news story. Fact check. How pathetic. Now, of course, now he's being dragged into kind of a Vijay Prasad. Was on it. I, I talked about it last time where he's kind of going, well, are the bivalents even working? You're, you failed, man. You're gone. You can't just slowly skirt into the conversation. But here's the problem, though, just like with the rest of them. His audience is large. He's got a mainstream following. He will be eventually the person that's challenging the narrative because he's doing that right now. Even though he was the biggest, one of the biggest people suppressing information in the beginning. That's how this works. So we just heard Gert Vandenbosch tell you that, but here, let me go through the stuff that I've already shown you and some that I haven't about this from very long time ago. Oh yeah, but let me play this clip for you first. Listen to Mr. Hotez here and what they're talking about. One of the things that we're not hearing a lot about is the unique potential safety problem of coronavirus vaccines. Uh, this was uh, first found in the early 1960s with the respiratory syncytial virus. Uh, well, that's interesting. Some of those kids who got the vaccine actually did worse. Uh -huh. and I believe there were two deaths as, in, in the consequence of that study. Because what happens with certain types of respiratory virus vaccines, you get immunized. And then when you get actually exposed to the virus, you get this kind of paradoxical immune enhancement phenomenon. And what how and, and we, we don't entirely understand the basis of it, but we recognize that it's a real problem for certain respiratory virus vaccines. That killed the RSV program ah. for decades. Now the Gates Foundation is taking it up again. But when we started developing uh, coronavirus vaccines and our colleagues, we noticed in laboratory animals that they started to show some of the same immune pathology that resembled what had happened 50 years earlier. So, so we said, oh my God, this is going to be problematic. And, you know, vaccines actually can, in weird cases, do an enhancement of the disease. You really need to, to test for that. Ah, yeah. Yeah, you do. You need to test for that. And guess what? They did and they just didn't tell you about it. Right. Or they didn't they didn't test, but numerous studies found the same thing and they just didn't tell you about it. But before we go into the studies, this one, you probably I've never shown you. 
But we've shown you the one that goes all the way back to 2020 that said specific, uh, significant. I think I said severe before, specific and significant risk of exactly that. And if we don't tell people, we're not meeting informed consent, says the National Library of Medicine or where it was posted anyway. I mean, it's, it's, it's a peer-reviewed study. The trust the science crowd, I guess, just missed that one like everything else, right? Before we read those, though, in case, I know some of these are redundant, most of them for probably all of you. But for those that are new and haven't seen this, let's go through, again, all the clips those short clips of them all saying this before all of them. Fauci, excuse me, Fauci, or not all the people, bad guys, but Fauci's one of them. But Dr. Ryan Cole said this. We've got the doctor I played in the beginning. They're all the ones telling you this is something we need to be concerned about specifically for COVID injections, specifically for respiratory virus. And apparently it's fake news today, though, right? They're trying to train the body's immune system to target the right part of the virus because getting it wrong can be dangerous. We know that historically with coronaviruses that if you do vaccinate with the wrong kind of vaccine, for instance in domestic cats who have a similar viral infection, that you can make the disease more severe. They're trying to train the body's we know those signals from SARS-CoV-1. We've seen this in, in cat coronavirus vaccines where cats ended up with this horrible inflammation swelling of the stomach and about 30% of the cats died. So we know once you prime somebody with an antibody and that antibody is good, great. But if you prime them with an antibody that is not good, sit back and pull out the popcorn because we're going to be seeing something horrific happening immunologically to a population down the road. The honest answer is we don't know to what degree, but we do know the history of this, and history is one of the best teachers that we have. There's another element to safety, and that is if you vaccinate someone and they make an antibody response and then they get exposed and infected, does the response that you induce actually enhance the infection and make it worse. And the only way you'll know that is if you do an extended study, not in a normal volunteer who has no risk of infection, but in people who are out there in a risk situation. This would not be the first time, if it happened, that a vaccine that looked good in initial safety actually made people worse. Exactly. Now, I'll include these two because I think this is equally relevant. Again, you've seen these many times. One, where in the FDA meeting, Pfizer is admitting they don't know how this works at all. So when you argue their clinical response, well, they don't even know how that's being created. And they admit that. Then they admit that they don't even know if that response then translates to protection. All of that includes what exactly we're talking about because they're creating antibody-dependent enhancement. And they don't even know how this thing works. How should we think of micrograms in terms of the amount of spike protein that's produced by the cells. Can you kind of clarify that? Obviously, we don't have a complete understanding of the nature of the way that the vaccine works in terms of producing immune response. Obviously, we don't have a complete understanding of the nature of the way that the vaccine works in terms of producing immune response. And then can you repeat the, the second question? I mean, obviously, you have a lot of data now. What is your correlative protection is. Everybody's measuring antibodies. They're probably relevant, but as we know... That's a long question. We need a quick answer. (laughs) I would say there is no established correlate of protection. That Both of those are Pfizer on the record. We don't know how it works. We just know that it makes a response, and we pretend it's the right one. And that response, we don't even know if that correlates with the protection we claim that it's making. 
I mean, this is the most obvious lie of all time. I don't even understand why this is. I mean, I do. I understand. I think either most people are seeing it. They're just not framing it that way. But my God, it's just that simple. Now, there was another one that had to do with uh, Fauci and Cole. I wasn't able to grab. I th- I'm pretty sure I have it here, but I don't want to take too much time trying to find it. Oh, I think this one is it right here. Many scientists are beginning to believe that a vaccine against AIDS may be impossible to make and too dangerous to test. If you take it and then a year goes by and everybody's fine, then you say, okay, that's good. Now let's give it to uh, 500 people. And then a year goes by and everything's fine. Say, well, now let's give it to thousands of people. And then you find out that it takes 12 years for all hell to break loose. And then what have you done? Or a year, like we're seeing now. And the FDA failed in this, and they, they allowed them not to submit the numbers for the absolute risk reduction, the ARR. So it literally takes 120 people to get two shots to decrease symptoms in one, one patient. And so of those 120, how many people are going to end up with autoimmune disease two to three years down the road? How many are going to end up with cancer two to three years down the road or four or five years? We don't know. But here's what I'm seeing in the laboratory already, and this is very, very concerning. We're seeing a very concerning locked-in low profile of these important killer T-cells that you want in your body. It's almost a a reverse HIV. Pfizer reported that its vaccine shows a 95% efficacy. That sounds like it protects you 95% of the time, right? But that's not actually what that number means. That 95% refers to the relative risk reduction, but it doesn't tell you how much your overall risk is reduced by vaccination. Boils down to 0.08%. You've seen that many times as well. I just clicked that opening part because he references the point. So all of these are deceptions, every single one of them. Relative risk reduction versus absolute risk. They're lying across the board. It's never been this obvious in my lifetime. So here is the nature.com article from 2020, September 2020. So this predates the other one from December that's about informed consent. Antibody-dependent enhancement in SARS-CoV-2 vaccines and therapies. Data from the study of SARS-CoV, so the original, and other respiratory viruses suggest that anti-SARS-CoV-2 antibodies could exacerbate COVID-19 through antibody-dependent enhancement. So this was publicly discussed as a real possibility long before we got there. Previous respiratory syncytial virus, so we're talking about RSV, again, and dengue virus vaccine studies revealed human clinical safety risks related to antibody-dependent enhancement, resulting in failed vaccine trials. Now, just wait till we get into the RSV-Bill Gates overlap of what's happening today. I think there was one part at the bottom, but no, that was just, oh yeah, here we go. I'm glad I looked. Conclusion, antibody-dependent enhancement has been observed in SARS, MERS, and other human respiratory virus infections, including RSV and measles, which suggests a real risk of antibody-dependent enhancement for SARS-CoV-2 vaccines and antibody-based interventions. So if that's simply stated as such an obvious reality, why does M-Dog, Z, God darn it, Z-Dog MD and people like Fauci and everybody else come out and say, like, laughingly call you crazy for even bringing that up? It's ridiculous. However, clinical data has not yet fully established a role for ADE in human COVID-19 pathology. Steps, and when they, when they say COVID-19, again, that means that you get sick after the vaccine and the COVID-19 issue causes you to get exponentially more sick. So some people read that and they make it sound like COVID-19 might cause that. And it is in a way, but it's the vaccine that is what making it cause that. So you understand. Steps to reduce the risk of ADE from immunotherapies include the induction or delivery of high doses 
of potent neutralizing antibodies rather than lower concentrations of non-neutralizing antibodies that would be more likely to cause ADE. Well, that's exactly what's happening, right? These things, they're not neutralizing any of these, you're pumping people through these with these boosters and it's not working. So this is a no brainer. Exactly what they just said is what people are going through and it's causing that. Now here is what happened next. So this was September, 2020. And that's why they say it has yet not yet been established. Here's the establishment. December. A few months later, 2020. Informed consent disclosure to vaccine trial subjects of risk of COVID-19 vaccines worsening clinical disease. In the abstract, the aim of the study was to determine if sufficient literature exists to require clinicians to disclose the specific risk of COVID-19 vaccines and that they could worsen disease upon exposure to challenge or circulating virus. So this was the study. It was peer-reviewed. NIH National Library of Medicine. Results, the COVID-19 vaccines designed to elicit neutralizing antibodies may in fact sensitize vaccine recipients to more severe disease than if they were not vaccinated. The vaccines, and they just list off basically every style, protein, viral vector, DNA, RNA, all of them, may worsen COVID-19 disease via antibody-dependent enhancement. It's very clear. The risk is sufficiently obscured. Very interesting, the statement. The risk that they find very clear is sufficiently obscured in clinical trial protocols and consent forms for ongoing COVID-19 vaccine trials. That, that speak, Brooke Jackson will tell you that, that adequate patient comprehension of this risk is unlikely to occur, obviating truly informed consent by subjects in these trials. That's not even like hypothetical. That's like, this is happening. That risk that we know is there is obscured. That's, that's nefarious. It says the specific and significant COVID-19 risk of AD antibody-dependent enhancement should have been before this, because we just pointed out they all knew, and should now be prominently and independently disclosed, and it says in trials and so on, and people taking it afterward, in order to meet the medical ethics standard of patient comprehension for informed consent. And guess what? They didn't do it. And now, even though people like Hotez said the same thing, that we know it's there, Fauci said the same thing, they've admitted this over the years, then suddenly it became fake news. What up, boom, just like that. Everything else. They knew this. They knew it then. They know it now. It's happening. And again, this study very clearly showed you that if they give them injections that don't cause the right antibody, well, there you go. It's happening. Every piece of this connects, and they just don't want you to see it. Now, here is another one. This is from 2021, right? So step into the next year, all the way into October 10th. A review antibody-dependent enhancement in COVID-19, the not-so-friendly side of antibodies. Right, so we're still pretending this is not trusting the science? Or rather, trusting, excuse me, we're pretending it's trusting the science? Three different, from all the way from 2022 of them to 2021, continuing to find the same thing, and yet we're shouted down and censored for bringing it up. That's how obviously controlled all of this is. Cut to the chase. It says, with respect to the immune response generated by the host the specific neutralizing antibodies generated against the virus are considered essential in the control of virus infections in various ways just stating a normal thing however in some cases the presence of specific antibodies can be beneficial for the virus now that's the point about not all antibodies are created equal right so when they don't know what the response is or whether it correlates that's what's happening and it says the act this activity known as antibody dependent enhancement of virus infection enhances virus entry and in some cases some cases virus replication into host cells 
if the vaccines are not capable of generating neutralizing antibodies against the possible mutagenic variants to mount the response, which we know they're not. That's why they keep trying to make new ones. The result may lead to the generation of sub-neutralizing antibodies that will even be capable of facilitating uptake of macrophages that express FCR with the subsequent simulation of macrophages and production of pro-inflammatory cytokines. Translation, it hurts you. It creates the situation that leads to a antibody-dependent enhancement, to inflammatory problems, everything we talk about. If they're not generating the right, well, we know that. That's why they're, they're, they're pretending nothing works for Omicron. We need to make the new ones, except your natural immunity based on scientific peer-reviewed science from nature and science.org have maintained that you still make them for variants of concern. They just don't like to tell you that. So what we know is that they've admitted their injections don't do that. So there you go. It's right there. The vaccines that are not capable of doing that cause problems in your body. Trust the science. Right? Trust the science. My God, this is so very obvious. And here's another one. Now, this goes over into the other side of it, like we were talking about. Pathogenic priming. Credit to James Lyons-Weiler, who we had on way in the beginning of this. He was so far ahead of the story, kind of like us. He's almost the people that the people are referencing the Tuckers of the world. He should be the one you reference. James Lyons-Weiler was calling this out day one. That's important. But yet, for some reason, the, the wrong people get pushed up in front of everybody. We need to start seeing that. Now, it says pathogenic priming, priming likely contributes to serious and critical illness and mortality in COVID-19 via autoimmunity. Now, remember, antibody-dependent enhancement is if you get the injection and then it primes your body with the wrong antibodies and then you confront the, the natural version and you get wildly sick, potentially die. Now, the other side of this is you get sick first. You produce antibodies and you take the injection. And it causes your body to attack itself because it recognizes that as a problem. And then, or the injection frames your body to attack the things that it already has. And suddenly your body's attacking itself to simply and kind of crudely frame it. But the bottom line is either side of this, it's causing a problem. This is what I keep referencing that they keep saying, well, if you have natural immunity, take the new shot because it makes it better. (laughs) That's just not true. It's ultimately that what they're pointing at is a remove the immune response that they see. And they go, oh, look at that. It's through the roof, producing all sorts of things. It must be good. But they just told you they don't have a correlation that proves that is actually translating. They just assume that. Right? I mean, this, right now they're even telling you the bivalent wasn't even tested on people. Let's stop pretending like that's not the truth. They're assuming that. We're clearly seeing that it's not the right assumption or that they knew it's not because it's making lots of things and they go, yay, it works. Like Klaus Fauci said, it makes a clinical response. But if it's the wrong response, you're looking right at what can happen. And here's what he says. All SARS-CoV-2 immunogenic epitopes have similarity to human proteins, except one. This is what he said on those capital steps right in the beginning, right? Talking about polyethylene glycol and all those. The bottom line was there's a thousand ways or a lot of ways that this can end up targeting your own body because of right what he's saying right here. But these have similarities to human proteins. It says roughly one third of the potentially targeted human proteins are the key players in the adaptive immune system. So you end up attacking your immune system. Look at what's happening right now. This says, it also indicates which epitopes might be responsible for autoimmunological pathogenic priming due to prior infection or following exposure to SARS-CoV-2 or relatives following vaccination. These epitopes should be excluded from vaccines under development to minimize autoimmunity due to the risk of pathogenic priming. They didn't listen or they didn't care 
And now it's happening. And you can prove that. It's great work. He continues to do great work. Check out his IPAC platform. Unintended consequences of pathogenesis from vaccines are not new. And this is my point from before. They all know this risk and just don't tell anybody. Nor are they unexpected. They are unanticipated only if those who develop them do not include available knowledge in their formulation plan. Enter Pfizer, Moderna, all the rest of them, the government involvement. It says the fact that pathogenic priming may be occurring involving autoimmunity against multiple proteins following COV vaccination is consistent with other observations observed during autoimmunity, including the release of pro-inflammatory cytokines we just talked about and cytokine storms, which we also talked about previously, similar to the SARS-CoV animal studies found that mice vaccinated against MERS-CoV, the Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, developed exaggerated pulmonary immunopathology when challenged with the MERS virus following vaccination. Same point. Now it says the involvement of pathogenic priming in reinfection by COVID-19 is a theoretical possibility. Of course, no vaccine against SARS-CoV-2 has yet been tested in animals. At this time, it hadn't been. They went ahead and gave it to people before that happened and only went out and did shorthand things after the fact. And therefore, we do not know yet if pathogenic priming is in fact expected. Now, people like RFK Jr., as well as James Lyons-Weiler, I believe, made the argument that's probably why they didn't do them at that point, because they would have seen this or had to hide it. They're being caught for that everywhere else anyway now. It says such studies should be undertaken before use of the vaccine against, P- against SARS-CoV-2 in humans. It wasn't. They gave it to humans before that happened. And now we're watching all of what he predicted. It's sad. This is 2020. Now, Dr. Urso points out COVID vax has similar parts to human proteins. This is what he, the same article is sharing. When one receives the vaccine, COVID exposure may cause massive cytokine storm. Pathogenic priming likely contributes to serious and critical illness and mortality in COVID-19 via autoimmunity. Science direct, peer reviewed. Now, Mr. Smith follows up and says, take a look at this from 1966, RSV vaccine. Quote, although infants who got the vaccine developed antibodies against the virus, they were not protected against fre- from infection. It's exactly the same thing. That's what even Hotez is pointing at. RSV, same problem. They made antibodies. They just weren't the right ones. I mean, I, that's, my, that's my argument. The ultimate, Regardless, the point is that the functional issue of the injection caused them to get more sick than better. Now, the point is that you produce wrong antibodies and it causes your body to attack them based on what we're seeing today. But, you know, you can read this for yourself. But as it, it says in here very clearly, in 1966, a decade after RSV was discovered, U.S. National Institute of Health researchers began testing the RSV vaccine made of a virus killed with formalin. And it says the trial was a disaster. Although infants, as he says, got the vaccine, developed antibodies, they weren't protected. Instead, the vaccine seemed to make the disease worse. Almost eight, or some 80% of infants who got the shot were hospitalized after an RSV infection, something that's usually pretty benign. Sound familiar to today? Compared with 5% of infants in the control group. That's my point. Most people historically aren't affected by this. Now, kids, children are very susceptible, infants especially, but by and large, even they are at pretty like, dramatically low risk of RSV. But the fact that it can kill them means it's important to try to deal with, but not in the way they're now starting to deal with it today. Acting like one kid dies, we have to treat everybody with mRNA vaccines. That's what they're now doing. Two vaccinated babies died from the infection. The strategy tainted the RSV vaccine field for decades. Okay, so this is what they were talking about. It caused antibody-dependent enhancement. Here, oh, they're just this, this tweet was deleted. It said COVID was a mix of flu and RSV. Sir, could be. 
down here, though, it's also the timing of the increase of RSV today plays perfectly into this. Again, pointing out Moderna wins FDA fast-track designation for RSV vaccine. We're talking about mRNA versions. That was in 2021, guys, before that ever started. Interesting. Suddenly, now they've invested in the future of it. Now it becomes a problem. FDA fast-track designating given mRNA vaccine. Now, it could be fake. It could be vaccine side effects that they're framing as RSV, or it could just genuinely be that they have created this problem with something they've been doing. Now, we'll get to that more in a second. Who's been working on these injections throughout time, throughout the, the process of all of this, right? Well, let's go back to 2010. Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Nanobio receives grant to develop an intranasal vaccine for RSV. That's interesting. This is 2010. Excuse me, 2010. I think I said that. So the point here is that they, they went into this $6 million from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to make this in 2010. Apparently didn't work because it didn't happen. Because they continue to work on new things. Novavax wins up to $89 million Gates Foundation grant for RSV vaccine. So either they're making more of them for no reason, or there's something that they're continuing to go forward in this direction. Novavax said today it has won a grant of up to $89 million from, again, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to be used toward development of RSV. The grant will support a phase three clinical trial of the RSV vaccine in pregnant women. So why pregnant women? Very, it's, I mean, the argument, it doesn't, to me, it makes no sense under the, the, the reality that this is dangerous for the pregnant woman at the expense of the argue helping the baby, I, I guess at the assumption they'll get RSV. I mean, this just seems ridiculous to me, but they did it and they didn't have good success with it. Here we are still 10 years later, or rather this was, um, no, this was 2015. So five years later, they're still working on this in a different way. Now, another five years later, respiratory syncytial virus vaccination during pregnancy and effects in infants. Guess what? Spoiler alert, it didn't work. And what's weird about this is I get the sneaking suspicion that they buried some pretty bad things in this. I don't know for sure. I did my best to figure it out. The point, I'll read this first. Conclusions, RSV protein nanoparticle vaccination. So we're jumping into the nanoparticle realm now. In pregnant women, did not meet the pre-specified success criterion for efficacy against RSV-associated, medically significant, lower respiratory tract infection in infants up to 90 days of life. Funded by Novavax and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Still going. So it didn't work. 2020. Let's jump to today. Explainer. Four things to know about RSV. Still Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Jump to the point. There's no vaccine for RSV that can protect infants yet. Okay, so just my point. So they've been doing this since 2010. Right? I'm working on this a long time ago. Didn't work, apparently, because they don't have one. This didn't work, apparently, because they don't have one. So here, again, they're still testing in pregnant women. 2020, and still, apparently, that didn't work, because both of these were pregnant women. So here it is, pregnant women. Five years later, doing the same study? I mean, what am I missing? There's something behind this. So here's the point. There are no drugs to treat RSV or vaccines to prevent it, according to Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation as of today or this year. This is a big reason why the virus has flown under the radar despite how common it is. No, it's because it doesn't really hurt many people. That's why. Until now, suddenly. Why? But there is good There is good news on the vaccine front. Last week, in a press release, Pfizer, of all people, as we showed you, announced top-line data from the Phase 3 clinical trial of its bivalent RSV prefusion vaccine candidate, mRNA. In September, 
the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation announced a grant to support the development of this potentially life-saving vaccine. So all involved, same thing. Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation funding the mRNA, RSV vaccination that Pfizer's making. Here we go again. My God, this is still happening, even with what we're exposing right now. How do you explain that? So they're doing this anyway. They're pushing forward anyway. Now, here's what we're seeing. The reports from Syracuse.com. Syracuse Children's Hospital runs out of beds as RSV surges. Some kids sent out of town. Well, let's read it and see what it says. This is November 12th. Now, you got to love this. Like this picture, that's not the majority, but they sure as hell make it seem like all the children are suffering. This does not add up at all to me. Gilisano, which is part of the Upstate University Hospital, had 35 RSV patients Friday, occupying about half of 71 beds. So 35 patients. Apparently that's, you know, that's not what they, when somebody says the hospital's overwhelmed, that's, they don't think 35 patients do they? The surge of RSV has many children's hospitals nationwide filled to the rafters. 35 cases. Okay, yeah, filled to the rafters. Quote, people across the country are saying, quote, I've never seen anything like this. Well, yeah. So why wouldn't you go, what changed? Right? Okay, so something that's usually pretty small suddenly explodes out of nowhere, and we've never seen this before. So maybe it's not that. Maybe they're vaccine side effects being framed as this. Maybe it is something that got wildly changed because of what you're doing with genetic alterations in the world, right? You don't just see suddenly monkeypox doing things we've never seen before for no reason. That's what they told us, right? This thing that's usually impossible, to which, by, by the way, just kind of suddenly stopped being talked about, even though they just renewed the national emergency for monkeypox. We're all, guys, they have lost the plot. They don't even care what we think anymore, apparently, or care that we think we can see them. But then RSV comes along, something that's pretty benign most of the time. And now it's suddenly, as they say, exponentially dangerous, never seen before. So either it's not this, and they're including these catastrophic effects the vaccines are having on these kids, the injections, or something they did with this genetic manipulation experiment is causing these things to change. Either way, nobody's asking. There's no, these things don't just suddenly change one after the other in exponentially crazy ways. And we just go forward like nothing happened. That's ridiculous. RSV is a common virus, as they say right here, that usually causes mild, cold-like symptoms, period. Just like you would read about monkeypox, but suddenly we don't understand. We're baffled about the neurological disease. We're baffled about the excess death. We're baffled about the myocarditis. We're baffled. We don't understand. Yeah, right. Either you're really, really, really stupid or you're choosing to be ignorant about this. Most people recover in a week or two, except right now, suddenly, out of nowhere, with no explanation. That's because many children did not go to school, they claim, or daycare centers earlier in the pandemic when many people were wearing masks and social distancing to prevent the transmission of COVID. They literally stay, say, those same precautions also stop the spread of RSV. Fake news. That's not possible. It is not, as peer-reviewed science has roundly found, significantly statistically significant in reducing transmission the masks do not do that period they just love to triple quadruple down on the same old narrative from 2020 oh so they didn't they wore masks so it stopped the spread of rsv for a limited period of time and then everybody everywhere in the country just lost their immunity and apparently even allowed some teenagers to suddenly get this, even though that doesn't make sense with the entire fr- structure. I mean, this is a greeching. They just want them. They go, that makes sense because I want it to. Even though that statement doesn't even remotely begin to explain why this is so different, but they don't care. 
Oh, it was lockdown. That's why. Move on. Lockdown did it. The mask did it because they were blocking viruses. Okay. So then why isn't like literally everybody in China wearing masks all the time, dropping dead from the cold all the time? You see, that doesn't make sense because it doesn't work. And you can very easily prove that with just contrasting it with other situations. But they don't want to think through it. And the people that want to believe masks are saving their life while their teeth are falling out and they're getting pneumonia every day just don't want to admit it. So they happily grab onto that. In addition to RSV, some kids continuing coming to this hospital or its area also have another virus like COVID or influenza. Sure, why not? Let's just add everything else. What about pneumonia? That's in there too, right? Or, or we're just using PCR tests and just saying what we want. And the bottom line is that you are giving kids injections that one, could be causing literally what you're framing is this. Two, are destroying their immune system. And that's why this looks so bad, if that's even what's happening. Either way you look at this, this is not what they want you to think it is. They're going to double down by saying, give them more injections that are causing this problem. That's this. It's Gert Bosch and people like that are the ones pointing in this and saying, that's why this is happening. And their solution is to do it more. Some older teens who would ordinarily be cared for by pediatricians are being treated by doctors who care for adults. Older teens. I mean, that ha- that's at the very least, that's 15 or older, right? Older teen. What 15 to 19 year old goes to a pediatrician? Really? It's <laughs> pretty stupid. But on top of that, they're missing, they're choosing to miss the main point. Teenagers don't usually get RSV. That's why they're aiming the studies at babies in the womb. But suddenly teenagers are getting super sick and dying from something that's never affected them. Let's just ignore all these things and pretend it's what it looks like because you say it is. Or rather what they say it looks like. It's, it's just it's such an obvious scam. But I want to I want to ask a couple questions. I mean, the main point here, I think, is just again to reiterate the points of what what we're getting from that. There's a, there's a few things to consider, right? I mean, if this is RSV, because that this is pretend you know, the possibility. Why is it suddenly more severe now? What changed it? Just out of nowhere. Again, we're like monkeypox. It just doesn't make sense. Either that's not what these are, or something new in the environment, whatever that could be, changed them somehow. And as well, another point that I thought was interesting, if we now absolutely know, like for sure know, that they lied about how bad COVID-19 was, or that it even existed, or that hospital beds were overwhelmed, or that, I mean, on and on and on about the, the, the relative risk reduction versus, I mean, everything under the sun. They're, I mean, they're being called out by high-level people now for hiding FDA data, for knowingly obfuscating the reality, blah, blah, blah. It's all in front of us. If you have the smallest amount of integrity, you have to look through the narrative. If we know that now, why in the world would we take anything they're saying at face value? You know, like, we're overwhelmed with RSV and the hospital beds are overwhelmed. Why, why would we take that at face value when we already know they just got caught lying about that? You see my point? So it's just interesting that I, I'm not saying we don't know, we know for sure it's not happening, but at the end of the day, we, we're being rolled right back into this. And it seems like most people aren't even really asking the right question right out of the gate. I mean, I hope I'm wrong about that. Very interesting. Now, to finish this off, not finish the show off, but to get back into this. Sorry, I just stretch it out to reach the rest of the links. This was the point about RSV on top of everything else we just talked about. Just to, re- to include this, I did a show on this. But the idea that provably, now watch the show, this is from the High Wire. In Pfizer and Moderna's own documentation, the injections quite literally, to, a, to almost a th- three-fold degree, increase your risk of RSV. 
It's listed right there in their own documentation. So we can prove that Pfizer and Moderna specifically increase your risk in a quite high degree. Like if we're talking zero to 0.3. Oh, excuse me. That's not time three. The other one was even higher. But regardless, the point is that it goes up. That's all I'm trying to point out. And then we can realize that they probably downplayed this in their research, but I don't know for sure. Either way, we know as a matter of fact that the injections that they're giving you do to a degree increase your risk of RSV. And yet we're not even talking about that as they scream about an RSV outbreak. Combine that increased risk with the 50% increased risk of all disease in the beginning of the injection, along with the post 90 day 76% increased risk of all, include with that the dysregulation of your immune system. I mean, it's a perfect storm for everything. It just happens to be this, apparently. It's just that ridiculous. Now, on top of that, here's just one more point about what it's doing to children specifically as they're pointing at all of this. And maybe this is part of what we're looking at. This is November 11th. Skewed fate and he... Oh, that's right. <laughs> I, I did this on purpose. Hematopoietic. Hematopoietic. One of these very interesting... <laughs> hemata, Hematopoietic. Hematopoietic. Okay. Skewed fate and hematopoiosis of C34 plus... Uh, HSPCs and umbilical cord blood amid the COVID pandemic. I'm going to have to play it again already. (laughs) So it says umbilical cord blood, UCB, is an irreplaceable source of heat. I knew it. Hematopoietic. Hemata. Hematopoietic stem progenerator cells. That's the HSPC. Hematopoietic. It says evaluated any effects of SARS-CoV-2 infection and or COVID-19 vaccination. They evaluated any possible effects. The numbers of frequencies of HSPCs in the umbilical cord blood decreased significantly in donors that had COVID-19 infection, SARS-CoV-2 infection, but even more so with people who got the injection via an induction of apoptosis. Now, what they're telling you there, again, the, the idea that this is something in existence, people will push back on, but before you just use that to ignore the whole point, realize that you could argue it's not there. We're talking about whatever we're talking about. But the bottom line is, whatever that is, is being shown to prove or shown to result in this one case or this one style. It's happening a lot, but the point is it's one of many different possible side effects to reduce irreplaceable source of, of, of this umbilical cord blood. Which, as they point out, these results indicate that the infection of vaccination impair the functionalities and survivability of the HSPCs in the umbilical cord blood, which would make unprecedented concerns on the future of these kind of therapies. And this has an effect dramatically on reproductivity and a lot of other things, or just the general health. The point of this is that there's an untold amount of side effects and problems that we're not even discussing. I mean, like, gee, I guess we can hope in the seven months Tucker Carlson points this out. The point is this stuff is happening right now, and we're barely even skimming the surface of the old myocarditis conversation or the old immune system problem. But that's already, people are already screwed. This stuff is happening, and it's just barely coming out. God, God knows what else it's doing right now. It's crazy. They're going to try to hide this all from you, though. Now, here's Dr. Ryan Cole, just in a general sense, talking about why you would ever choose to do this to your children because people don't understand what's going on. Could you be sterilizing your daughter? You could be ruining her heart. You could be inflaming her liver. You could be inflaming her brain, her adrenal glands, um, her spleen, her bone marrow. Uh, Children are at zero risk for COVID. 
zero, statistically zero. Healthy children do not die from this disease. And in children, it is a sniffle. Why would you give a gene-based experimental shot to your child risking her fertility, risking her heart, her brain, her liver, her health for her entire lifetime for a common sniffle? There is no logic in it. There is all harm, all risk, zero benefit. The shot causes clotting. The shot causes inflammation. The shot causes all those conditions I listed. We know that from the data now, from the Pfizer data, from the post-clinical trial data. COVID, Omicron, is a sniffle in children. Dr. Macri out of Johns Hopkins went back and looked. There was no healthy child that died from COVID flaming the bodies of these little children and attacking their organs. There is no logic. There is no science. There is no reason for this crime against humanity to be allowed upon anybody. This is a criminal act by the federal government on the children of America. It's just so incredibly damning. I'm laughing. It's, it's, even though I literally played it and said it exactly as the breakdown said, somebody's correcting me in the chat. Thank you for doing that anyway, because I say these things wrong all the time. But it's just funny, no matter what you do, it's, it's apparently the pronunciation on the website is wrong. <laughs> anyway, what's funny about this, or funny, which is just ridiculous, but again, you know, kind of, you can't help but you just have to laugh at how crazy this all is at some point. It's, it's macabre, but it's, it's just, it's ridiculous. The fact that they're still lying about this stuff is just ridiculous. But if you're asking yourself how it's even possible, if you're barely just getting into this, you know, things like that are happening, as Forbes points out. Forbes, the biopharmaceutical industry provides 75% of the FDA's drug review budget. Is this a problem? <laughs> I don't know. Let's debate about it. Obviously, that's like the stupidest conflict of interest in history. That's like the EPA having stock in oil. It doesn't make sense. And they're also captured, right? All these groups are captured. That's what we're talking about, guys. Regulatory capture. If 75% of their budget, which means they can't function without it, is funded by the very company they're supposed to hold to account, well, there you go. It's a no-brainer. Clown world, indeed. Here's Dr. McCullough showing you actually what I was going to do, but you know, in the interest of time, I'm, I'm going to skip. I had a couple other clips I was going to play. Just I was going to play the experts again. We have experts like Jay Bhattacharya and, and Dr. Doshi, and these doctors all speaking up, but I'll, I'll play them again in the future. I just did the other day. But here's Dr. Peter McCullough, who's playing, he's adding an interesting point to this, showing you, don't forget, that he was censored before he ever got into the vaccination being dangerous, the injection, I keep saying vaccination, because he treated people who had COVID, or they thought they did. That's incredible, because remember, he was just doing what he thought was right as a doctor, who that's, we, that's the kind of, I, I mean, think of the analogy that we afford the police the authority to make these decisions on the fly, because, right, we do the same thing with doctors. We're, they're supposed to be informed, supposed to inform you about the risks, and supposed to make their medical decisions in the moment. But suddenly during COVID, you were only allowed to do what the, what the CDC said you could do. I mean, this is so obviously broken. The point is, he started doing what he thought was right. He's now proven to have been right, but they revoked him and attacked him and, and suppressed him before he ever even got into the injection. Now, what does that show you? At some level, they wanted these people to suffer. I mean, I just don't know how you see it another way. Come to your own conclusions about it. Watch this clip. End of January, literally after Senate testimony and after gaining national prominence in leading America and the world out of a major calamity, I was rewarded by an administrative meeting and I was told my contract was not being renewed. 
without any of the contractual due diligence of a contract renewal, which is tantamount to termination. I asked why. No reason. None. Zero. At that juncture, I didn't ever say a word about the vaccine. Like any other doctor, I thought it was safe coming out of the clinical trials. I didn't say a word about the vaccine. That was my reward for treating patients with COVID-19. And I wasn't alone. Prominent other doctors were shown the door because they treated patients with COVID-19. Now, real, real quick, think of what he said right there. This is, I mean, this is him being honest, right? But like any other doctor, I thought it was safe. That's a really important point you have to skip over. What did he just say right there? It's revealing the structure that I keep pointing out. That people in these positions, despite them having credentials and being educated, whatever we call that today in medical school, being told how to give pills, essentially. I mean, I'm kind of being facetious, but I, doctors tell me this kind of stuff. That's what happens today. The point is that these people, even people in this position who are critical, they're trained to just tell you what the doc, what the what the structure tells them what the cdc says is the sign and the point is he was at some point intelligent enough to look past that and realize wait a minute this is a problem here but see even he was in that position most of these people are in a position to just regurgitate what they're told and that's how the system works doesn't mean everybody involved in that system is dumb enough not to ask questions clearly mccall is an honest smart person who's standing up for all of this based on what he's been doing that's very revealing though isn't it my practice was thriving. Research was at a record high. By the way, no way that is that supposed to be a knock against McCullough. I, I think that's clear, but just in case, it's about the you know everybody in that position being trained to be a certain way, and those that break out of it are the ones we should respect. I think I, all the program metrics and the programs I ran were metric high. It was the only change is that I treated patients with COVID nineteen. But you know, as the data uh, really started to emerge on vaccine safety, I could not remain silent. I could not, and it was pretty clear as the dialogue started to evolve that we were having a major problem on vaccine safety. The day they announced the vaccine mandate, the hospital must have gone to the press and the two major newspapers in town published an article. Health system sues, sues a, a skeptical doctor for vaccine comments or some comment uh, like that. And the allegations are that uh, I am using the health system's name or my prior positions in making public statements. It's a clearly overt attempt at censorship. In fact, on my Wikipedia page, it's, it's a whole section on COVID-19 misinformation. So they've already labeled me as giving misinformation, but in fact, I'm citing the literature. That's information, it's not misinformation. Now, doesn't this look bad? I've had a fake Wikipedia page made about me that claims that I'm giving COVID-19 misinformation. And now state medical boards are gonna hunt doctors' medical licenses for misinformation. Who decides information and misinformation? But boy, do we have a David and Goliath. And I can tell you, I'm not gonna flinch. And it's just, I am going to be incessant. I'm gonna be uh, dominant. And the truth will continue to come out. Absolutely. Now, I do want to play this one. I always played it twice already, but I just think, again, this connects the dots for those that might not have seen this already. As I said, the definition of herd immunity was changed to exclude natural immunity, even though they knew this was that, that this jab would not stop transmission, almost guaranteeing what we're seeing today. If you can't see the nefarious level to this by now, you're simply not you're simply ignoring it. And address the, uh, the the vaccine 
um, side effects. Let me address the, the, the strategy of using the vaccine. I think the error that was made, like the, the intellectual error that was made. Again, I don't think it's an error at all. Um, the World Health Organization um, changed its definition of herd immunity to exclude natural immunity in, in 2020 to say only vaccines can, can be used to, to, create, to, to create herd immunity. Um, you heard repeatedly p- people like as prominent as Tony Fauci saying if we had 80% of the population vaccinated, the, essentially the, the promise, the implicit promise is the disease will go away, right? You've got herd immunity through vaccines. If you have a vaccine that doesn't stop transmission, you can't use it to get herd immunity. Uh, in December 2020, I wrote an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal with Sunetra Gupta. What we argued was that we don't know whether the vaccine stops transmission. You couldn't tell from the randomized trials whether the disease, because they didn't, they didn't look to see if whether it stopped transmission. You just didn't know. It, it had efficacy against symptomatic infection, but you don't know if you could be used for transmission. So we argued that you should use the vaccine for focused protection. Older people, as Martin has said, had a thousandfold higher risk of death. You could use the vaccine to reduce that risk of death, and it's worth the potential side effects because those are likely much less than the protection provided by the vaccine. For young people, that's the, the, the calculus is reversed. Um, instead, public health doubled down on this idea that you could use the vaccine to stop transmission, to get rid of the disease. The vaccine mandates were built on that false assumption. And I, for the, I mean, by, by July of 2021, we knew that that was not going to work with certainty because countries that had, had widespread vaccination were seeing big outbreaks. So why do we continue down this path of vaccine mandates that have been so destructive where so many people lost their jobs and people have lost confidence in vaccines? There's no good answer to that I have for that question. And the fact, as you say, it was still happening now. You're still seeing, um, you know, uh, students in top universities being essentially forced to get a, a booster that they probably don't need at risk of myocarditis. I have no idea why we're doing that. It's just a, a colossal error um, in, in policy. You know, or a contrived, coordinated, focused effort to achieve something. I mean, you know, I've got a lot of possible, a lot of theories about where this could be, you know, but that's a secondary conversation. I think we're at a point now, especially with even just average people, we need to start pushing this really hard about that. We, we are at the point where this is over. You were right. It's dangerous. It, it, it should not be given to people. I mean, I, I just can't even believe this hasn't even been like, they're not even pulling back. I mean, they're just tripling down going forward which again speaks to the fact that there's something they're driving towards, some kind of end game that needs to be done by a certain time. I don't know, but I think we can clearly see that asking questions has always been the right thing to do. You should never have just gone along with what they said was the right thing to do or it was best for your grandma or what your neighbors thought or, you know, whatever else they said was the right for society. None of that stuff was right. In fact, historical documentation about bio rights and everything else have clearly documented that's the opposite of what's right that your personal bodily autonomy always trumps what they're talking about. They just didn't care about that. They just went past it and tried to shout you down because you're killing grandma, even though that was never the case, even though that the mass didn't stop, even though on and on and on and on. Now, unfortunately, I have to cut this short today, guys. I have just multiple reasons I have to cut this short. I was only going to go into the Great Reset stuff at the end, but I'll get into that possibly tomorrow. Um, And I'm going to be playing my interview with Clint Liberty Lockdown tomorrow as well. But thank you for tuning in today. I'm going to leave you with uh, just a montage to end today. But I, it's just it's so very important that we continue to question these things and realize that, you know, y- you guys have seen this. You've been here with me. We've seen this stuff for a long time. So it's not always the win we think it is when some of these high level people still tied into the platform, still tied into the paradigm, half heartedly talk about the topic. 
I just can't stress that enough. We need to be careful about how they work this over a long period of time to drive us right back in. I mean, think about what happened with the amnesty conversation. Same kind of thing. It created the very divide that they wanted all along. Now, I think we've already gotten past this. There's so much happening, but it's so easy for them to make this happen. You know, in any situation, people in authority will always, as RFK just said, RFK Jr., people in authority lie. It's just the reality. Not all the time, every time, but it could be. And we, at the very least, have every right to ask whether they're being honest now or not. So thank you for being here today, guys. You inspire me every single day. Make sure you follow us on Parlor. Make sure you check out our Substack. Make sure you continue to share the information. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. I see all the people led into deception by the very men found to care. Blinded by the promises, unknowingly sold despair. So leave your herd of sheep and follow this shepherd to revolutionary ends. World that you knew has changed around you. It's all become a money game. It's all become a money game. It's all become a money game. Are you ready for? Are you ready for? Are you ready for? Revolution. Now it's happening all around you. If you cannot see, pull aside the curtain and see the war machine. It's time for you to rise up, rise up and prepare. So arm your fellow man, as it's become destructive to its own ends. World that you knew has changed around you. It's all become a money game. It's all become a money game. It's all become a money game. Are you ready for? Are you ready for? Are you ready for? The revolution. Now it's happening all around you. If you cannot see, pull aside the curtain and see the war machine. It's time for you to rise up, rise up and prepare. So arm your fellow man, as it's become destructive to its own ends. 
world that you knew has changed around you. It's all become a money game. It's all become a money game. It's all become a money game. Are you ready for? Are you ready for? Are you ready for? Now it's happening all around you. If you cannot see, pull aside the curtain and see the war machine. It's time for you to rise up, rise up and prepare to arm your fellow man. They become destructive to their own ends. World that you knew has changed around you. It's all become a money game. It's all become a money game. It's all become a money game. Are they ready for? Are they ready for? Are they ready for?